We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, what's going on? It's National Signing Day. Early period is officially over today as Notre Dame commits from all over the country. We're just finishing up the Central Time players that have now signed. We're going to move into the West Coast guys because that's going to be the Rico Floreses of the world, the Cooper Flanagans. Exciting day for Notre Dame football. Of course, I'm Ryan Roberts, Director of Recruiting here at irishbreakdown.com. Joined by Sean Davis, recruiting analyst. Brian Driscoll should be on pretty soon here as he works through a little bit of technical issues. We have a great set of interviews for you all today. One that's going to start here in just a second. But before we get going, hit that like button, subscribe to the podcast, notification bell, five-star reviews, all that good stuff. You know the jazz at this point, and we have a long, long recruiting show for you today. We are – we got our – Drinks, we got our snacks off to the side, we got our breaks scheduled out. It's going to be an exciting day. I don't know what better way, Sean, though, for me to get a recruiting podcast started than bringing on one of the pioneers of the industry, Mr. Tom Lemming. I know personally, I grew up watching the Lemming Report and all the cool backstories that Tom was able to provide for so many years. And it's still great to see him traveling the country and be able to meet some of the best prospects and recruits in the entire nation. So we want to get this kicked off because we'll be bringing on a lot of players later in the show. We'll bring on a lot of parents, all that great stuff. Give all the context to Notre Dame class. But joining the show, Tom, let me start us. Tom, appreciate you again for stopping by, man. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. I'm just driving along here anyway. I'm heading uh, back to over to St. Louis from uh, I'm in Arkansas right now, but I was in. Texas the last 10 days and you got to try to stay one step ahead of everything so I was hitting a lot of the 24 and 25 and even a lot of 26 prospects I love it man so uh I mean Tom you're a busy guy all times of the year but especially right now so we appreciate so much you being able to take some time with us and it looks like Brian Driscoll is joining the show everything we're hopefully we're good on that I know you all are wrapping up can you guys hear me Yes, I know you are wrapping up, but I had to at least be on for a second with the Godfather of recruiting. I just had to come on for a second, you know. <laughs> Plus, I mean, look, Tom, Tom doesn't know this, but back in '02, when Mo Stovall was making his decision, I spent about three hours one night taking a break from my coaching, breaking down film to find out whether or not Mo Stovall was going to pick Notre Dame. <laughs> so back in the day with the one nine hundred number, so uh, I appreciate you everything you do, Tom. Sure, no problem. Yeah, Stovall was actually good. So I had him on the front cover of that 2001 issue. He came down to Virginia. Al Groh, 
wanted me to do a front cover for Virginia. Never did it before. Al Golden was there. First time I met Al. And uh, Stovall was the only non-Virginia kid in the picture. So he was mm-hmm. uh, came down and he wound up going to Notre Dame later that year. Yeah, he was the he was the O2 class, right? And that was the year the year before they had the Brady Quinn, Samarja, Chinnadam, and Dupree yeah. class. Yeah, he's so. talking about you guys are talking about great classes. The best ever. I've been doing this since the 79 class. But the best Notre Dame class ever was the 1990 class where they had, I think, 16 or 17 NFL players, two Hall right. of Famers. Probably Aaron Taylor will be yeah. a Hall of Famer someday, too. Three yeah. college Hall of Famers, anyway. Yep. And uh, Brian Young had invited me out to his uh, induction ceremony. Uh, so Kathy and I went out there back in August. And it was like a who's who. Vinny Serrato, Reggie Brooks, all the old Notre Dame guys were there, too. Jerome was there. So it was uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, and and you, Vinny Serrato. That's a that's a name. Uh, that's a name that a lot of us old timers remember, right? And that's kind of that's kind. I don't know if, if you guys talked about this, but that's kind of the role that Chad Bowden has kind of taken on at Notre Dame. Is that guy that no matter who you talk to, no matter what recruit you talk to, Chad Bowden's name came up. Which Tom, you remember? That's how it was in the late '80s and early '90s with Vinny. If you talked to a kid that signed Notre Dame, Vinny Serrato was going to be one of the first names to pop up with those guys. I kind of helped Vinny get the job. He was a uh... The recruiting coordinator in Minnesota with Lou Holtz, um, I think, tried to kill himself. <laughs> and so he had to take a leave of absence. And they brought Vinny, who was a GA there, into recruiting. He had no uh, knowledge of it. For, so for like seven years, one year at Minnesota, six in Notre Dame, Vinny and I talked almost every day. And uh, he went from just being a guy that was learning the process to being the best in the business. He, he was preceded by Bill Reese, who's at Notre Dame now, who had been the first guy that was a non-coach. Travel the country just recruiting. Vinny started doing that and actually started beating Reese on a lot of guys. Where Reese had beaten Jerry Faust, Vinny started beating Reese on a lot of the guys nationally. And then back and later, um, Rick George did it at Illinois, who is now the athletic director at Colorado. And then Joe Paterno put an end to it. He was uh, started losing a lot of guys at Notre Dame, so he decided to put a get a rule pass where you had to be one of the ten coaches to be a recruiter. So Vinny. Um, then went to the 49ers in 1992. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tom, I want to dive into some specifics about this Notre Dame class. Obviously, we, we see your updates. I know you're very high on a lot of kids in this class. Just overall, when you look at this class, what are some of the strengths that you see about this class? And, and what do you think this class can kind of do for Marcus Freeman as sort of the foundation of his first full recruiting class in Notre Dame. They're bringing in talent at almost every single position. Kenny Minchie was really great because I thought they made a mistake. And I was saying this before, 
you couldn't put all your eggs in one basket. They had done that when Coach Taylor went after the running back who wound up at Clemson and had no backups at all. They did the same thing now because I was with Peyton Bowen and Jackson Arnold a day before New Year's last year, the day before Peyton committed to Notre Dame. Jackson was going to commit to Notre Dame too. They stopped talking to him. They just figured they're going to put all their eggs in Dante Moore's basket, and that was a major mistake. But they got real lucky getting Kenny Mincy away from Pitt because he's a very talented ball player, been, uh, had some injury problems, but when he's healthy, he's outstanding. So that kind of was sort of rounding out a great class. If they didn't have a quarterback, it would have been a yeah. difficult to say it's one of the better classes in the past 20 years, but it is. you know. And you're talking the Brady Quinn class, the um, uh, Kyle Rudolph class, when Kyle um, – Dane Chris was the leader of that class like Brady was. Those are two great classes. Tyrone had one. Charlie had one, but they only had one. After mm-hmm. that, they were followed by horrible right. classes, right. especially Tyrone's second class. That was just a horrible class. And you're not going to see that happen with Marcus, who understands recruiting. He's sort of a younger version of Urban Meyer and Nick Saban. So Notre Dame fans should be real thankful that they have Marcus there because the recruiting is never going to stop. And I've seen it, and I think the a new star will be Stucky, who's – they were desperate for wide receivers, did a great job recruiting wide receivers, and I think he's going to be a new recruiting star, and they're going to have to try to keep him away from some other programs. You know, when, when you look at, Tom, when you look at Notre Dame and what, what this class adds, one of the, the common sentiments is they just lack the speed, the athleticism of, of a lot of the top teams. When you look at the skilled players, one of the things that separated Notre Dame back in the late 80s and especially the early 90s was they had legit big-time NFL secondary players when you look at this class do you see this class that you, you see what cam hart's doing you see what benjamin morrison did last year do you feel this secondary class brings a lot of brings some of the speed the playmaking to uh, allow Notre Dame to kind of close that gap when it comes to putting that kind of just big time mm-hmm. athleticism and playmaking ability on the back end of the defense well yeah if they get peyton bowen like you said they i think they're getting them out i couldn't keep track of all i was even there too at guy high school and the other players that were meeting me there said, oh, he's definitely going to Oklahoma. And this is just Saturday. I was, I've was i been in Texas there and uh, checking out his brother, Eli, Eli Bowen. And Bowen in, um, shows you how things go. But Peyton's an outstanding safety, you know, and a big-time ball player. Cornerback Christian Gray is fantastic. Ben Minich is also in, uh, runs at 10, 400 meters. That surprised me because I went to the school to check out a couple of players. Notre Dame had offered their corner. Didn't like Ben at the time, this, uh, uh, less than a year ago. But then when he ran the 10, 400 meters, that got a lot of people's attention. And Ben had a very good year. He's first team all state in Ohio. So, uh, yeah, I think the secondary. Ben Morrison, outstanding young uh, man, too. And I went to the school in Brophy Prep last year to see him. Just a nice kid. Real well-mannered, just fantastic. And then you watch him on film, especially in that Clemson game. He was fantastic. And uh, you'll see the same, really, with um, uh, Christian Gray this year. I think Christian's a big-time ball player. So I think secondary-wise, Mickens has done a great job recruiting. So is O'Leary. And it all comes down to the assistant coach, really, when you look at it. And when assistant coaches got to take a lot of pride in who they bring in. Remember back in the old uh, – even with um, Coach Kelly, they would recruit by – sections of the country they always kind of screwed up chicago and uh and, and notre dame never really wins big unless they get some of the top chicago kids uh the last time they won in 88 they were loaded with guys like jeff allman chris zorich and uh, joe allen and, and uh, george streeter and uh, a lot of uh, tim uh, grunhardt a lot of chicago kids starting for them and uh, for some reason notre dame rather go into texas or california but if i think 
that's the next step. They've got Cam Williams coming in next year. They better not lose Justin Scott, Catholic kid ball player. If they don't get him, then there's got to be some investigation because he is a Catholic league player with a lot of connections to uh, matter of fact, um, Pete Chivarelli was a big Notre Dame guy who played at Notre Dame and is the manager of the Rock Group Chicago. He played at St. Ignatius and donates a lot of equipment to the school over the past several years. So um, they just got to do a better job in play places like Chicago. And I was always on Coach Kelly, who rather golf than recruit. And um, uh, I thought that he should hit at least the top 10 recruiting schools like DeMatha. Uh, Bill right. McGregor is a good friend of mine, the coach. And he had told me that Kelly never visited the school in 10 years. Chase Young came out of I mean, a lot of great players, but really Bergen Catholic. And you got uh, um, Bishop Gorman, you got uh, Bosco and modern day in California and you, and maybe Aquinas in Florida. You go to those 10 schools every year, you're going to start getting the ball players. but Kelly just didn't do that. Uh, Tom, one thing I wanted to ask you too, you, you talk about getting into those top schools. How important is it? You talk about going to Texas and, you know, it's kind of finding some of those areas. How important is it for Notre Dame to be able to find, because like the Southeast is just a, it's a problem area for Notre Dame. I mean, you get Keon. Keon is a Notre Dame fit as about as well as you're going to find in the Southeast and they still couldn't get him. How important is it for Notre Dame to find some pipelines like Chicago, like St. Louis, which brought them two big time athletes this year and Texas to kind of supplement what they're just really not able to consistently get uh, from the, from the Southeast. Yeah, Southeast has a lot of great players, but, you know, Chicago's got 49 guys in the NFL right now. Northern Illinois has got more in the NFL than uh, Notre Dame does from Chicago. Uh, it's just a matter of evaluating and finding the right players. Tim Grunhardt wasn't that heavily recruited, if you remember. Uh, either was uh, Stan Smigal, who started on the 88 team, or George Street, or Zorich, by the way. Um, it's just a matter of evaluating, because there's always a ton of ball players in the Chicago area, but it takes time, because there's... Uh, over several hundred uh, high schools. So you got to be able to uh, find out the right ball play, but also North Jersey with that great Catholic league. And they're starting to hit Sanding, uh, Bergen Catholic and St. Peter's prep and Bosco and those schools there. And then you go into California, which they've done a very poor job over the years at Bosco and modern day, modern day's coach who just retired, Bruce Robinson told me his daughter went to Notre Dame, but he said Notre Dame really didn't put – they'd come in there and give it sort of the Olay effect, like, oh, yeah, we're here, and then it'd be it. And there, look at um, Alabama's Heisman Trophy when it came out of modern day. The Clemson's quarterback who just left came out of Bosco. There's so many good ball players at just those two schools, but then you got Servide, Santa Margarita out in California. Notre Dame just says – and I, they got the right two guys. They got um, Marcus, who's a fantastic recruiter, Chad Bowden, who's his right-hand man in recruiting. So I think all that's going to be taken care of. But in the past, Kelly kept saying, well, at LSU, you could win a national title. Of course, you could win one at Notre Dame. You just have to recruit. And uh, he's understanding that now. If he doesn't recruit at LSU and he decides to play golf, he's going to start losing a lot of the top players. So I think he understands what he should have done at Notre Dame is what he's doing now at LSU. So, Tom, I know Sean's going to want to ask this question because this is the thing is there's there's such a difference in two things. Number one is obviously Marcus Freeman is, you know, charismatic and all that, but that only gets you so far. When was the last time you saw a Notre Dame staff, not just with the head coach, but just the depth of strong, you know, Chancey Stuckey, Mike Mickens, Chris O'Leary, Dylan McCullough is doing a great job. Harry Heastan with the offensive line. How long has it been for you that you've seen Notre Dame have a head coach plus the depth of recruiters on staff and the willingness to go battle Alabama 
and uh, you know they beat Alabama last year for Ben Mickens. You know they beat they they went toe to toe with Alabama, LSU, and Ohio State for this this year for kids. When was the last? I mean, it's it seems to me like it's been a while since we've seen Notre Dame be willing to fight against those teams for players, win some, lose some, and then just the depth of the recruiting staff that's able to get this done. The last the last time it happened was. Um, Vinny Serrato, because, you know, Lou Holtz wasn't a real worker when it came to recruiting. He was great in the house. Problem was getting him into the house. And uh, he'd rather golf also. So did Tyrone. Tyrone and Holtz and Kelly are all great golfers, but not real good recruiters. And all of them were good in the house. The problem was getting them into the house or talking to them during the season. They didn't like to do that. Like Marcus has been on the guys for a full year. So he's brought the mentality of the Southeast Conference recruiting to Notre Dame, something they desperately needed because – and like I said, they had a number one class. Then they'd have a horrible class the next year. They were never consistent putting uh, classes back to back to back, which is what you need for a national title. And now they're starting to do it. I don't think they're too far away. They need to get defensive linemen, impact defensive linemen. I had Eric Parsegian on my show right before he passed away, and he said he always went right after defensive linemen first. And Nick Saban told me that so did Urban Meyer. And you can see where that happened. Notre Dame's got good ones, but not great ones. They, you know, they got three-star guys. But to be up there, they, they could beat almost everybody on their schedule. But when they get against an Ohio State or Clemson, you've got to have great defensive linemen also. And, uh, you know, they had a great defensive end this year was leaving early. But the consistency in bringing in five-star type uh, or even four-stars that could develop has not been what Notre Dame's uh, uh, strength has been late. They've always just had average defensive linemen. So if they can start getting the great defensive linemen and the great impact quarterback, because if you watch to win a national title, you need one of those great athletic quarterbacks who can run and throw. And, uh, you know, kind of once he's flushed out of the pocket, he can create with his feet. Notre Dame doesn't have Ian was decent, but he's short. Um, the quarterback they got from Wisconsin couldn't run at all. I think he ran like a seven Jack flat Cone, yeah. 40. <laughs> and, um, and so, and the same thing, Tyler Buckner is built in glass because he gets, he got hurt every year in high school. He's getting, he got hurt walking downstairs. So you need depth at quarterback and you need athletes. And that's what hopefully Kenny Mincy, who also had been hurt this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just need depth at that position. CJ is very good, but uh, hopefully they can get a guy in the portal that could, uh, lead them next year and back into the playoffs. Cause I think they're getting closer with the kind of guys Marcus is bringing in. You need a couple of impact defensive tackles. That's why that Justin Scott in Chicago for next year is so important, but talking to the coach, they don't really work on them that hard. So they got to get in there a little bit more with the defensive lineman and quarterback. And then they will be a national, they'll win a national title in the next few years. Just the way Marcus is coaching and his uh, inspiration and with the staff they have, but they still have a little work to do. Well, Sean, Tom, you want to try? Go ahead, Ryan. I know, Tom. I was just going to ask because I feel like most people around here, you know, who Harry he stand wants on the offensive line, you listen to because he's the best in the business, in our opinion, right? And but you've seen him in this class. He gets a guy like Charles Jagasaw, who is a considered you know five star recruit by some recruiting platforms. You got guys like Sullivan Absher, Sam Pendleton, but then he goes off the cusp a little bit and he goes, he goes, finds a Joe Otting from the state of Kansas. So I guess my question is, you know, just kind of looking at the evaluation from the offensive line perspective, how much do you put into the talent versus what Harry Heastan can develop? Because it seems like for me, you got a couple high caliber players, but also there's a couple evaluations that you just kind of need to trust Harry with that they're going to turn out in the right direction. Absolutely. I've known Harry for years. I'm real close to him. I knew him at Illinois and with the Bears. And we've talked a lot over the years. And 
I never thought recruiting was his forte. Quinn's recruiting was forte. That was his forte recruiting. But Harry did a real good job this year, and I thought that uh, he put a lot more effort into it than he did the last time he was at Notre Dame. He was just a great coach. And I do think when he was talking about Joe out in Kansas, I asked him about him because when I went and saw Joe, I thought he was like a three-star. He's not real big either, but he wanted inside guys because he's bringing in too many tackle types. The rest of the guys all mainly playing tackle. And he wanted some inside guys that had heart and aggressiveness and strength, and he really liked the way Joe played. I don't think – and I like the fact that, the, you know, he doesn't go by the star system. And you know, I started the star system like 30-something years ago, and it was bogus. Uh, I had just gotten the tip from Gil Brandt, who was at a charity thing with me, and Gil had told me that they had eight stars with the Cowboys he used. So one year I did eight stars, confused everyone. Next year I did two, it was too little. So I used the the hotel thing with stars. And now the ball players are, you know, they're swearing by the star. You got three, got four, got five. Most of it is based on how many offers you have, not how talented you are. So Joe, Charlie, or uh, Harry thinks that Joe is an outstanding ball player. And I go by what he says. Uh, all the other guys, I'd seen them all in person. And Joe did maybe six, two, six, at the most six, three, but, uh, he really liked the way he uh, moves, and his, uh, he's got he's a natural knee bender. He's a guy that can strike quickly, and tar- and Harry liked that. So I'm not going to argue with him because he's had such great success in the past. So we can blame Tom. We can blame Tom for the star system that we all yeah. absolutely. It's it's bogus. And JJ Watt was what two. St- I, I put JJ in my magazine because I went to Pewaukee to look at another kid, and the coach brings him out. I didn't even ask for him. And I put him in the magazine. I thought I was doing him a favor. Now it makes me look good. And uh, I had I, I had lunch with uh, John Gruden a few months ago, and, and he used to give me the the um, uh, Raiders facilities in Alameda, and I'd bring guys out. And you know, I was the only guy to have Tom Brady on the All American team, only because he threw three thousand yards because he couldn't run at all, and he had an okay arm, but nothing great. But we brought him out there to Alameda, and I had John and Billy Callahan talk to him. And all of a sudden, he winds up being the greatest of all time. So it made me look good. But the fact was, I didn't I didn't have him listed that high. Uh, so you kind of sometimes fall into things that way. And I think uh, that's what the star system is. It's It could be a gauge, but you can't take it as gospel. Tom, you talk about what's going on with the, the evolution of recruiting at no game. And you, you talk about... When Wilkes was there, it was all about the football ball banquet and closing for no game. That was like the huge weekend. Now it's under Marcus Freeman. The plan is to get out early. These guys, they got out early on Keon Keeley, Peyton Bourne, and some of the biggest, biggest players that the other teams they catch up on. And then they're doing the same thing in their 24 class. Is that a plan that you feel like is going to be, going to be profitable for Notre Dame and Mark Freeman moving forward? Yeah, that's what you have to do if that's if um, what you're bringing up. I think the fact is, you're right. Back in the old days, in the uh, 80s, 90s, of that two-week banquet in early December. Uh, however, Vinny had gotten a lot of guys. Like Derek Brown was committed a long time before he announced. So was Randy Moss. They just hit him, so they could get. Here's a here's a story that Notre Dame fans probably don't know. Dave Roberts was a great recruiter in '94 for Notre Dame. He had gotten Javon Curse the night before to commit to Notre Dame, and then. Um, Joe Moore, uh, uh, Biff Poggi, who's now the new head coach at Charlotte, had been at Michigan the last couple of years, had an offensive lineman named Mueller. And they only had they had two scouts left, but one was going to Moss, who had already committed. So the next morning, uh, they wanted uh, Notre Dame to decide. And Holtz has no clue who anybody is in recruiting. That's Lou, was, he was oblivious to everything. And um, 
they just said, okay, we'll go with Joe Moore's guy, Mueller. So they had to turn Javon Curse away, and he went to Florida. Or also Notre Dame would have had him in that great number one class with Randy Moss and Mike Rosenthal and Corey Miner and all these great ball players. Uh, but again, Dave Roberts had recruited half that class back in uh, '94, and uh, he gotten Javon because he called me up and I called Javon. He says, "Yeah, I'm going to commit to Notre Dame, assign with Notre Dame tomorrow," and they had to turn him away. So they made a lot of mistakes. You know, Tony Baselli uh, was that uh, thing with Brian Young, and you know, Tony wanted to play for Notre Dame, and Vinny turned him down. Mm-hmm. And then um, Bob Whitfield mm-hmm. was the number one player in the country. Back and then I uh, called up Vinny and said, I'm committing. And Vinny goes, we already have 30 players. Because back then it was 30 guys. And he had told me Nick Smith was wavering and may go visit UCLA. And I said, all you had to do is tell the kid, tell Nick, okay, goodbye. We're taking the number one guy in the country. So Whitfield then called back. So I ran into Bob with his son a couple of year, a couple of years ago at UCLA. And he said, yeah, it was absolutely true. My coach and I called to commit to Notre Dame. And they said they filled out already. Couldn't take the number one player in the country. So Vinny was great, but he made a couple of uh, mistakes with Baselli and Whitfield. Well, I've had some friends who said that's the position that Vinny probably had the biggest misses on was offensive line. You know, like they had Jonathan Ogden. They ended up losing him. They didn't make a mistake there, but they just couldn't close on him. He was a guy that yeah. I remember, uh, you know, liking Notre Dame a lot till the very end. And I think that's one of the things to me, Tom, I, I think when you look at this Notre Dame class, very good in the trenches. Now, I would agree with you. They didn't get that elite Keon Keeley type. That's the next step. But I think one thing that Notre Dame wanted, in my opinion, I'm going to ask if you think they accomplished it, is they've got a lot of really quick, short penetrators, the Howard Crosses, the Jason Adamiolas, but they're not a real long defensive line up the middle and sort of those power players out outside of really Foskey and, and Riley Mills. That's a was a goal to, for this class. Do you feel like Notre Dame was able to achieve that to where yes, they need to still get the 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 big time edge rushers, the Damon Wilsons, the Keon Keeleys, that type of player? But do you feel they at least were able to kind of give themselves a boost in length and power and just being able to kind of upgrade the size of what they're looking to do up front with this class? I'm hoping so because you're right, they did have some of the guys at tall. But I saw the kid out in Maryland, nice kid. He's from Canada. I didn't think he was that great and that explosive. Vernon is good, but he's he's got potential to be much much better. Yeah. Um, the one with um, I always have trouble with his name Mukam, uh, the um, defensive Mukum. end they got out of yeah. Mukam. Um, I thought he was okay, but when you watch him on film, they're okay. But they're not the elite guys that I still right. think that Notre Dame needs to go out and get. But particularly inside, big guys like a Justin Scott from Chicago. You got a Catholic kid no. in Chicago. You got to get him. You can't. There's no more excuses. You got to go get a guy like that. You don't miss them. And that's why I think they need help on the defensive line, and they still need that elite quarterback. Perhaps they've got him in Kenny or maybe from the portal, but they haven't gotten – we don't know yet, and that's right. the problem. Because right. if they do get that elite quarterback and they get those inside guys on defense, they're going to help. Look at all the great linebackers. You know, I do yeah. the Butkus Award, and then I name 51 nominations, and I get on 16-5, and then Butkus watches the film. I watch it, and Nolan from the NFL, a lot of the guys, and Drake Bowen. It, it can't – Came down to Drake Bowen, Anthony Hill, but Anthony Hill only played six games this year, so Drake won it because he had such a great senior year. But you, and when you watch him, he's got that impact ability of great quickness to the ball. But all the linebackers do; they're bringing in some big time linebackers, big time DBs, great offensive linemen, great wide receivers coming in. You never have to worry about tight ends. Uh, McCollum's done a great job at running backs, even though Love's the only one left. I think the other two guys realize. They're pretty stacked at running back. We may want to just take off. So it really comes down to uh, an elite quarterback, an elite inside guys on defensive line, and then they're going to be right up there with the big boys. 
Tom, as you look at kind of, I mean, obviously you kind of hit on what next year's group is and, and kind of stacking those things together. Do you feel like with, you've been had a chance to, I know, meet Coach uh, Freeman and you know a lot of the coaches. Do you feel like this kind of class is repeatable for Notre Dame moving forward, even in this era of NIL? Because I think that's the thing for me that that really gets me is, especially if they're able to finish off and, and, and keep Peyton Bone in the class, is being able to put this kind of class together in the era of NIL, you know, Brian Kelly always had an excuse. Oh, it's academics. Yeah. It's this, it's that. When in reality it was like, you're not, you didn't hire the right coaches top to bottom and you didn't put in the work to do it. It was never really Notre Dame. It was you. Now Marcus Freeman's doing this in the NIL era where people are throwing millions of dollars to players. Do you feel like it's, it's sustainable for coach Freeman to continue to stack these kind of classes on top of each other? Cause they're off to, off to a great start in 2024 as well. So far. Yeah. I'd be shocked if he doesn't do it. He is a great recruiter. So, uh, I think he's going to do it every single year. The running back they just got, I went over to, uh, uh, Kathy and I went over to uh, Hannibal to do a uh, uh, museum tour, and we went and saw him. And, he, you know, he reminds me of Blake Corum. He, he mm-hmm. plays like Blake, running and catching-wise. I think he's going to be a star coming in the next year. So they're doing really good with this uh, 24 class. And my travels around the country, I can always tell you that good assistant coach is doing well because – um, Harry told me he only wants to bring in like three guys because they they pretty well stacked that offensive line. They don't want to lose anybody because the chance of not playing. Tight end wise, they can almost always get whoever they want. I know the the kid I saw in Nebraska. Thank God he came. I saw him at a, the, the uh, a Notre Dame game because if he didn't come in, I was going to have to drive three hours north of Interstate 80 to see him. He's in the middle of nowhere. He plays eight man football. High jump seven feet. You watch him on film. He's going to be. The next great tight end, if he comes to Notre Dame, it'll be Nebraska or Notre Dame, I think, for him, too. And uh, they're they're off to a great start. Again, uh, with C.J. Carr coming in that class, they've already got their centerpiece. Now it's a matter of filling out around it. And, again, you got to worry about defensive linemen, bringing yeah. in great ones. The kid, uh, Swan, out of Michigan, had a real good year this year. Kid out of New Jersey, I don't know. I saw him play. He's not real big. And I saw him. He's uh, he's, he's a good – he's sort of um, like the guy that he's got now, not real tall. Yeah. But he's good at stuff in the run. But they need elite. Yeah, they need elite defensive linemen coming in because you know they're going to get elite players at every other position. Stucky is a star in recruiting, so he's going to bring in, in his guys too. And I, I was really impressed with the way the tight end coach recruits. He seems to be in a lot of guys. There's two in Chicago. I told him he should be going after, and if they want to bring in two because uh, they're two great uh, tight ends. And again. Notre Dame always seems to ignore Chicago, and they go on like 49 guys in the NFL from the Chicago area, and Notre Dame is really this team in Chicago. So that's why they go, they'll go all the way into the Southeast Conference looking for players, but there's a lot of good ball players in the area, like I said, in North Jersey and in uh, the Maryland Catholic League and the California Catholic League. So Marcus knows what he's doing, so I've got a lot of faith in him. And I met him. Yeah, I gave him five stars as a linebacker in high school, and then I put him as the captain of the U.S. Army game in 2005 because he was like 18 going on 30 as a high school kid. So, yeah, a lot of the kids are very immature when they get down there away from their parents. Marcus was already with a military background, a uh, kind of kid we wanted as our captain back then. And I didn't see him for 17 years until he came back to Notre Dame. And uh, same guy, just really focused. He's mature. He's very intelligent. And. I think he's going to do a great job, and he'll be one of the great coaches in Notre Dame when it's all said and done by the time he's 65 years old. Tom, thank you so much for joining us today. I know this is a busy day for you. I know you'll have some TV appearances, but we we thank you so much for helping us kick off our uh, signing day coverage with uh, just a great breakdown of the Notre Dame class, and look forward to having you back on again soon. 
My pleasure, guys. Take care. Good luck. I know hopefully our voices all hold out today. Uh, we did a four-hour show yesterday, and we're going to do a five-hour today, so I may not talk for the next three days, which might 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 make my wife happy. I don't know. We'll see. Yes, that's right. <laughs> well, good luck. Take care, Thanks, guys. Tom. So, fellas, that, that was the godfather, Tom Lemming. So I am mm-hmm. uh, fired up to have had him on the show. Um, you, you can see, obviously, guys, that he's very high on Marcus Freeman. And like very high. I mean, talking about great, going to do it. I mean, there's a lot of certainty that Tom discussed this, that that Tom discussed this class. And I think that's something that uh, certainly, Ryan, you have to kind of feel good about as you as you look and see kind of what what he sees. And and, and just because he's out on the road, he sees these coaches, the fact that he's calling Chancey Stucky a star and talking about dealing and trusting Harry and, and Mickens and all this. I think that's the thing that me that stands that stands out to me is just you you just don't the head coach on down man this is a staff that flat out puts in work and even in this NIL era they have you want to talk about a coaching staff that had every excuse in the world to just say ah <laughs> oh, let's just go get these three star kids we don't have to get in this NIL era they actually had excuses to to that for this Ryan and didn't yeah. use them I just think it speaks volumes to just what Marcus Freeman and the staff is capable of doing and what they are doing. Yeah, I mean, and it's a remarkable perspective, obviously, from Tom Lemming, who is, I mean, the reason that we are here today is a lot because of him, right? Like he really made it popular and made it kind of cool and the niche and all that great stuff, right? Which is just wonderful to see. I I know Sean was smiling, you know, working through some technical issues because he's talking about this about the uh, city of Chicago and how it should yeah. be a little more prevalent for Notre Dame yeah. recruitment. But you know, you know what's cool, Brian, is that he gave us some tidbits that and for people that you know just out there, we talked for Tom maybe like two minutes before we went on, right? Like we didn't like talk ball ball with him. Right. And he even but he still kind of hit on a few key points that we have kind of been just continuing to hammer, right? So the, you know, you need to get bigger on the defensive line. You need to continue to get better there. Why receiver recruiting needs to continue to be better. He talked about, you know, maybe the shortcomings of previous staffs as far as their impact and their relentlessness on the, on the trail and the quarterback position needing to be better at Notre Dame. So it was no foreign like terminology or, you know, these foreign ideas, right? Like he was, talking the gospel to us and it just makes kind of for that validity but I think again to your point Brian if Notre Dame finishes the way they're going to finish today I mean this is the best class he even said it didn't he didn't Tom say since 1990 right like he said that that was the best class and Notre Dame has a chance to rival a class like that and to potentially get us back in the balance of this class so yeah there's always going to be some spots where you wish that you could have done x you could have done y but for the most part, man, the impact that this coaching staff has had in year one on the recruiting trail, it's different, it's new, and it's exciting. Well, I think the, the – Sean, let's do a little quick mic check here before we get to the next one, Sean. Are you uh, – how's how's it sound for you? I mean, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, okay. Yeah, so good. Yeah, StreamYard has uh, jacked us all up today. I had to reboot mine. Ryan had to reboot his. Sean had to reboot his. Yeah. So we do apologize. But, hey. Rule number 76, no excuses, pod like a champion. So we're going to keep on doing that today. I I, got to say, guys, we said nothing about Brian Kelly before the show to Tom Lemming. Nothing. Nothing. That shade was pure Tom Lemming, which I got to say, guys, I enjoyed because that's someone who was in the thick of it and saw 
Because I've heard stories from people that I know that know Tom where Tom would beg Brian Kelly, get on this kid, get on this kid, and like really good players. And Kelly was just like, ah, you know, it is what it is. But it was nice to hear that confirmation from him that like Brian Kelly didn't go out and see those schools. You know, to hear to hear Bruce Rollison, a legend, say, Brian Kelly never came out. We always ask, why why doesn't that why don't they do better at modern day? You can't you can't recruit modern day fellows when the head coach at Notre Dame never shows up. And it's just refreshing to have a coach that shows up and battles and competes. And Sean, that's why I wanted to ask that question because I wasn't sure if you were going to get your your thing going. But it's what you always talk about is Marcus Freeman said, I don't care if you're Bama. I don't care if you're this. I don't care if you're that. I'm Marcus Freeman. We're Notre Dame. You're going to have to deal with us. He's forced himself and forced Notre Dame onto those conversations. And that's why we're standing here with this class that I believe if they get, if they're able to sign Peyton Bowen, is it, to me is the best, the most complete class that Notre Dame signed. Keeping Peyton Bowen and getting Kenny Minchie were the two keys to making this the most complete Notre Dame class and the best Notre Dame class since that 1990 class. And I, I, I truly believe that. We'll see if it plays out, but I, yeah. I truly believe that, Sean. And they did it in an era where Notre Dame has never had this much going against them as they put this together. Yeah, and I liken this class unto the first Rocky movie where Rocky competed his tail off, but he just didn't get the belt, right? And it wasn't until he came back in Rocky II that he was actually able to take the belt. So the 23 class is like the class that sets the tone. And I think the 24 class is going to be the class that kind of is able to raise the belt in recruiting for Notre Dame. Because like you said, the, the fact that they're still in this with Peyton Bowen, when everything, like Tom said, he was there Saturday checking on Eli Bourne, and to him, it was done. So kudos to Marcus Freeman, kudos to the staff, kudos to the 23 commits that stayed on Peyton Bourne to make whatever is possible possible today, and we'll see what happens with his recruitment. And then I don't know what type of mortar Marcus Freeman is using, but it held this wall together during an 8-4 season. Like, it held the bricks together. Whatever he said to these recruits to keep them focused on the big picture, kudos to him for the job that he did amidst a staff that Tom Lemming spoke glowingly about for the most part. He threw a couple of jabs at a certain mm-hmm. certain position, but he spoke glowingly about Chancey Stuckey and the rest of the staff. And just remember, Fighting Irish fans, this staff really was playing from behind. Because they were coming in trying to figure out themselves as a staff, figure out the current roster, and recruit on fast forward. So what they put together in 23 is encouraging for what we're already seeing in 24 with the young men they already have committed. This this is a fantastic day. Fantastic day for this football program. So far. Oh, oh, man. Sean, isn't it – wasn't it such a glowing – review though from tom because tom is very old school right like he's been around the game for a long time i mean he was giving us stories about 1988 right the, you know 30 plus years ago yeah yeah and but the guy that he kept talking about on the recruiting trail outside of marcus freeman was chancy stuckey a yeah. guy that and it's it's para, it's very it's meaningful to me because tom would be one for me in my opinion that would be like I need to see a you know larger sample size, right? I need to yeah, see a guy that yeah. has some state power, consistency over the years. And despite him only being 
really on a recruiting trail for one year. Well, one year for Notre Dame and just one year in general because he didn't even finish the one with Baylor the previous year. Yeah, The fact that he was just so complimentary of what Chancey Stuckey and you, and you know that when you talk to these receivers, whether it is Braylon James and his parents, whether it is Jaden Greathouse, whether it is Rico Flores, all those guys, and even players that Notre Dame wasn't able to finish with at wide receiver, they always mentioned Chancey Stuckey the first time around. So you want to talk about Marcus Freeman and his efforts on the recruiting trail. It's really great to hear that some of the guys that didn't even have the proven track record coming into the year, like a Chancey Stuckey, got so much conversation and so much just compl- compliments from a guy like Tom Lemming, who is the respect respected guy in the business and the impact that he's having is just, it's incredible to take a look at, man. Cause I mean, we're waking, we're waiting on Rico Flores, right? Who's a West coast guy to sign his, sign his paper. But we've seen now national letter of intent from Jane Greathouse already. We've seen from Caleb Smith. We see it from Braylon James that what Chancey Stuck has been able to do in year one is pretty incredible to look at. And Ryan, on top of that, what he's done is he's put himself in position to where he can second guess situations because in my opinion at a certain time I think they were right up there if not leading for other receivers that are making their decisions today to go elsewhere and he took a step back and said you know what this guy might be fit a better fit for what we want to do in this room because we don't have this type of receiver and then they transition he's done such a great job planting the flag in Texas for the program and going out and building the room, that man, now he can take a step back and he can really pick and choose and really build out the wide receiver room the way he wants it to look. Rather than this first year, he had to go get some guys. He just had to go out and get guys. Now he can start, like he bought the house this year. Now he can start to decorate it to the way he wants it to look. And that's what he's going to do in 24 and 25. It's amazing what he's done coming in. And that was one of the biggest questions when he was hired. I remember the day he was hired, we were like, man, the experience factor, you know, even though he was under Dabo and worked on that staff and he only had one year at Baylor, like, is he going to be able to recruit at a high level? I think we got that answer pretty quickly (laughs) this year. Just real quick, two guys. Uh, Ryan, Rico has signed. He did sign. Gotcha. He he was in that ten o'clock window. Him and Cooper Flanagan have both signed. So, as of right now, everybody has signed, um, with the exception of everybody has. Yes, well, I'm trying to say this correctly. Right now, we've got word on everybody except for Peyton Bowen. So that's the last that's the last one that we're we're waiting on. Everybody else, uh, all 24 other commits have signed. There could be some other news today, but yeah, that's kind of where we are. So Rico and, and Cooper are signed, but I, I think guys, I th- as we let's kind of talk about this class, as we wait on our next guest, we'll dive more into the class specifically, like really get in the nitty gritty tomorrow. But I think the thing about this class that really stands out to me, fellas is Notre Dame needed, a, a, they needed depth in this class, right? They, they, and they got that, you know, they, they, there were misses. They, they lost some kids, right? We'll, we'll again, we'll, we'll get into that quarterback I'm actually happy with how it worked out to be honest with you with how everything played out I'm perfectly happy with how everything uh played out but I think it's it's the depth the bat you hit I actually somewhat disagree with Tom and some of his assessments of the defensive line the defensive line needs to get better 
there's no doubt. I don't I don't necessarily agree with him. I like Devin Houston a lot. I think Armel Mookum's got some tools. Uh, that's what I love about this business, right? Is you can kind of agree to disagree with people. But they do need that kind of impact edge rusher. But outside of that, they literally hit their marks at every position. You know, if they're able to if they're able to hang on and add Peyton Bowen, you got you needed three starting caliber players at safety. They will get if they get Peyton three starting caliber safeties. Even after what last year's cornerback class was, they went out and, and one upped it, in my opinion, from a recruiting ranking standpoint. Uh, arguably one upped it with Michael Bell and Christian Gray. You signed arguably the best linebacker class in the country last year. So what do you do the next year? Sign arguably the best linebacker class in the country the next year. Receiver class is loaded. One of the best running backs in college football and high school football, in my opinion, Jeremiah Love, one of the best offensive line classes. I think that's what separates this class from so many others. Even that 2008 class, which to me is the best class Notre Dame has signed, uh, and, and and Tom talked about it a little bit. It's the best class that Notre Dame has signed, really. Uh, it, it, since that, that was the best class they signed since 19, 1990. But the, the problem was there were holes, right? I mean, there, there were some holes in that class. You know, the defensive line class was pretty good. Uh, the linebacker class was okay. You know, it's Anthony McDonald and David Puzlesny were the two inside linebackers, right? Um, the secondary class was good but not the level that this is. I think those are the things that kind of stand out. And, you know, speaking of big-time safeties, fellas, uh, hey, Don, are you, ready to, are you ready to roll? You ready to rock and roll? Awesome. Speaking of safeties, we got my guy Don Schuler with us. Mr. Schuler, it has been a long time coming, but it is official. You are the father of a future member of the Notre Dame football team. How's yeah, that feel? Uh, it feels great. We, we couldn't wait. It seemed like it took a long time. I mean, the process was great, though. Um, but it seemed like it took a long time, um, but it, it feels great. We was we was celebrating early this morning, six six something this morning till seven a.m. when we was able to actually officially sign and, and get this thing rolling. Well, Don, is is it a lot of mixed emotions right now, man? Obviously, you're proud, but Don's leaving very soon here, only a couple weeks left. Last Christmas at home, I know I was talking to him yeah. last week about that. What's the emotions like right now, man? Well, for me, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm more excited than anything. Like, I'm, I'm we're gonna miss him because, um, he, he, uh, you know, he's such a great young, uh, you know, my oldest son. You know, I have we have three sons, but he's so great with us helping around the house, and so I'm gonna miss him. But I'm just more excited for him to be able to, you know, move forward and um, become a better man. Um, you know, I know the thing, so I'm, I'm more excited about that. Well, and, and let me ask you this, Don, because you have been very heavily involved in this recruiting class, right? We've all seen the pictures as far as yeah. you cheering on these young men to yes. try to get help get them in the class, and it's been incredible to see and kind of seeing, I guess, the final product here. I mean, you know, there's, you know, it was an up and down process at points, but Notre Dame designed what could be the best class that they've had in at least ten years, you know, in the historic class for Marcus Freeman in his first year. Just kind of looking at the final product here, just how proud are you of just this whole class in general and the young men that are part of it? <laughs> Man, needless to say, well, like I always said, I'm 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 I've always been a, a huge fan of all these um, you know, these young men, these student athletes. And, you know, when meeting them for the first time, you know, through uh, a lot of visits that we had and just watching their film, because I'm a film junkie as well, and just, like, meeting their families and 
getting to know them over the, you know this short period of time. I'm just I'm super excited because I really feel like um, this class, which is uh, Coach Freeman's first official class of um, recruits, I feel as though they're gonna definitely win the national championship. Um, and I feel as though a lot of those these these young men are going going to the NFL as well. You know. Don, I want to ask you about that. You would said this this group's going to win a championship, and and we'll find out if that's true or not. But but I've I've noticed something. This group has been talking about that from mm-hmm. jump. So my question for you is: as someone who's kind of been, is this something that kind of began with the message from Marcus Freeman? The kids bought in and they're selling it, or is it the kids kind of saying, "Hey, no, 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 this is why we're coming together is to do this." Where does that come from? Because I mean, it's it's not just a Don, and you, you expect from skill guys, but Sam Pendleton's talking about it in his you know pre you know, his article before signing day. Sullivan Absher's talking about it. Even the linemen are talking about it. Where'd that come from? I think it's a little bit of both. I think what it is, um, these kids. Like these kids are absolutely Notre Dame kids. Like they're academically, um, you know, their their mindset, and then athletically, they, they all are off the charts. So I think what happened is, as each kid started committing or started getting um, uh, offers or what have you, or hearing rumors that this kid may commit soon, I think they what they did was they started watching film on each other, and they was like, "Hey, this 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 guy can really play." So. We with with the backing of Freeman and what, along with his staff, you know, just hey, this is a great class. We can definitely, you know, win a national compete and win a national championship. The kids was like, yeah, you know what, you're right. After seeing the highlights each week uh, from their teammates, you know, from different states and everything like that, you know, each week some, you know, one of you guys was putting up a, a you know a nice film or some highlights or just talking about it. So they they all bought in and, and realized that this class can definitely be a special class and, uh, you know, be the first class to win a, a national title since uh, since 80s. Well, Don, I, I think the first time I spoke to you was after – because when I got on ID officially, Don was already committed in the class. Mm-hmm. You know, he was already one of the early guys to, to commit to Notre Dame. And I think the first time I talked to you was after a visit where – I think you posted something, and, and I think I messaged you directly. You you said something like, "Yeah, you know, I, I didn't want to leave. You know, like I don't want to leave yeah. leave South Bend." Can you can you just kind of from your perspective, right? Give us the the parents' mm-hmm. perspective on this. What makes Notre Dame special? Because we talked about Marcus Freeman. We talked about the young mm-hmm. men that are going there. Like that stuff. Yes, we can talk about that all day, and we will for the next few days. But I know that there's something different about just being on that campus and experiencing everything. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what it is. It's like the atmosphere of the campus is like, you know, you just feel so rich in values and everything. And as well, like, like I said, like Freeman couldn't have done a better job putting his whole staff together, you know, from the coaches to the administration, uh, some people that were already there that stayed as well as the new people that he brought on board. It's like everyone makes you feel very special. Like, it doesn't matter your position, doesn't matter what your son ranking is, it doesn't matter. It's like everyone makes you feel individually special, make you feel wanted, and it's just like, it's so calm and relaxed. Like, it's, it's you can joke with everyone, you, it's, it's, it's like really, really a family atmosphere. Like, it's nothing, it's nothing fake about it. It's like, it's just real. So it's like when you go out there, it's like, you know, you you, you kind of vacation in because, of course, you're not 
I mean, I'm in New Jersey, so South Bend is, is, is a little different. You know, it seems like we move a little faster out here, but it's still like it's relaxing, it's, it's soothing. And then, you know, just being around everybody make you feel so welcome. Like You just don't want to leave. I want to ask you too, Don. We've talked a lot about the recruiting class and all this. I want to talk about your son. I want to talk about a Don. And 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 look, we can we'll talk film about him. We can talk film. You're a film junkie. I'm a film junkie. But the one thing I want to make sure that people understand is this is a really special kid. And this isn't just a great football player. This is a kid from Irvington High School. You know, Notre Dame's done well in New Jersey, but what they don't often do is get kids from public schools in New Jersey. And especially a public school kid who is a National Honor Society young man, right? Like, I mean, it's just that. So so just give the people a little bit of background. We all know he's a great player. Somebody already put in the chat. I think I predicted Don. Don's going to be a first-round pick and all this kind of stuff. But one of the reasons we want to have you on, and, and I know we'll talk ball after this because I know you want to talk some ball, but just kind of give people a little bit of a glimpse of, of what makes a Don – um, who he is. I mean, what, cause he's a, a hard worker, a keep his, you know, keep his nose on the grindstone kind of kid and focus, but also a kid that's going out there and getting the work done in the classroom, which as you know, Don is not always something that a lot of kids nowadays really put as much emphasis on. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is absolutely correct. Well, my wife, his mom is, is Nigerian. So um, in the Nigerian culture, uh, education is first before sports. So since he was young, it that has always been driven, you know, home with him and his brothers as well. So he just kind of like, you know, he was just one of the kids that kind of just took to it. And, you know, you know, we, we would reward, you know, give little rewards if, you know, who can make honor roll, who had the most A's and, you know, kind of made it interesting for them. So because, you know, sometimes you got to do that. It helps. So he just, you know, he just took the challenge all the time and was like, hey, I'm about to get this, whatever we offering at the time, $20, $10, whatever it may be. So he just kind of took to it well. And then, you know, of course, he's a typical kid, you know, typical teenager. So, of course, you know, we have to stay on top of him um, as well as his uh, two younger brothers. But, um, you know, he just kind of took it upon himself to try to always strive and do the best he could. And, um, you know, we, we've done um, extra credit. We have two. We uh we lost Don there for a second to help so, oh, there you know, help take advantage of his situation. So Adon, I, I I know you want to talk some ball. So let's talk about how much Adon has grown as a player. I, I told you this in a conversation you and I had recently. I said, look, I'll be honest. When I first saw Adon mm-hmm. and Notre Dame was telling me they're gonna they're gonna offer this kid, I watched a sophomore film. And I'm like, oh, he's a nice player, you know he's he's okay smart you can see the intelligence you can see his toughness but you know just the athleticism and then he wowed Notre Dame at camp so I want to talk about number one kind of what that experience was like that he because see Adon's thing is a little different than some other kids in his class he had to earn his scholarship from Notre Dame he had to come to campus and earn that scholarship what was that what was that kind of that moment like where you know he went out spotlight is on him play well today you're getting an offer don't play well today you may not be getting an offer what that moment was like and then also just kind of what it was like for you guys when Don uh, got the offer and then also the second part is when I watched the junior film I was like yep sign me up I'm good <laughs> you know just the development you saw from him as a player that allowed him to to shine the way that he has yeah well what what when he came in um you know he was he was behind some great guys when he came in 
uh, at his uh, school in um, as a, at the end of his freshman year because he had transferred from out of a different school. So the next year he was able to showcase a little bit what he was able to do. Now he played behind some good some good uh, young men that was in front of him. Um, you know that went on here to um, you know uh, big D one programs. So what he did was he just came in there, he just kept his head down, and you know did what he was told. Uh, those guys were older, so they had you know the team was theirs. He just came in, basically played his role. So once those guys left, he basically kind of like got the green light. Like, okay, now this is developing more to your team. And then he was able to hone in and, and you know, with the help of his coaches and uh, a lot of work that we put in, you know, on, on the off season, you know, his confidence and everything got up. And then he was able to just go and, you know, play football and, and you know, use his mind to help him, you know, get over and, 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 you know, make good plays and stuff like that or whatever. Um, as far as him with the Notre Dame, when he had to perform, he has one thing about him, like um, he doesn't do a whole heap of talking or whatever, because, you know, we try to instill a lot of humbleness um, in, in our children, you know, just, you know, just be grateful for the blessings that, you know, come upon us. Um, but he does have, uh, Mamba mentality, uh, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, Mamba mentality. So he hates to lose, and he kind of he 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 likes challenges. Like if he's going against the best, he he likes that, and that's what we pride ourselves on. Um, for years, ever since he was younger, we always kind of reached out um, to like some of the top student athletes around our area, and we always did workouts with them and. You know, I reached out to their dad. You know, we would always meet wherever, you know, was needed to meet at and work out with these guys to help them push them for him to get better. And, and you know, I guess it kind of worked, you know. So that's that's basically um, some kind of sums it up with him and everything. What's been the message about Adon from the Notre Dame staff as far as, like, the specific fit into the defense? Like, we know why he fits at Notre Dame, right? Like you said, mm-hmm. a, 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 there's – People think that in order to be confident, you have to be Terrell Owens, Deion Sanders, you know, and, and those aren't criticisms of those players, but just the boisterous, the, you know, the, the demonstrative, the always doing this. Yeah, yeah. Not every guy's that way, right? There's, there's, there's mm-hmm. also the guys that, that just say, Hey, look, it's not about what I say to you. It's about what I do to you. You know, so obviously a Don, a Don fits in their name academically in all those kind of ways, but the humility way, but let's talk about how he fits into the defense. You know, what's kind of the message been as far as like what how what about his skill set and what's the kind of role they see for him in this Notre Dame defense? Well, I, I believe what from what Freeman and Golden and uh O'Leary from from what they are trying to put together is a, a whole group of guys that's very aggressive on the defensive side of the ball, that guys that love to hit guys that can definitely tackle on one-on-one tackling. So as far as from what I can see from the conversations and the meetings we had with O'Leary, I think they kind of have him like, um, uh, what is it? Um, uh, Not so much as um, a boundary safety. Um, I forgot what it was exactly, but they, you know, they, 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 uh, the way they, the way they projected so far for him to be like one of the guys they could kind of leave out one on one, and he could do multiple things uh, at, from his safety position. So, 
Now, let me ask you this, Donna. I'll tell you what I think. Uh, I believe that, and I want to get your thoughts on it. I believe that the best way to really thrive is when you play the Ohio States and those teams, you got to be able to put five true DBs on the field. Absolutely. I think, you know, I think in the, a lot of these modern spread offenses, however, is they're going to spread you out, but then they're going to run the ball. So being able to have that fifth DB be a guy that is more of a safety as opposed to a corner, like we saw this year when Notre Dame went to five DBs, it was Tariq Bracey. And, you know, he's a great kid. How do you, as a football guy, I, I see this fitting where I, I view this as if they're able to go to that look, having a Don sort of be sort of like that, that flat guy that can cover that maybe plays on the second level as opposed to the third level. So you can cover playing space, blow up the perimeter screen game, cover slot receivers, cover tight ends. Do you think a Don could eventually get to that role? If they are going to in, in those looks where they do want to go to five DBs in those type of situations, because like, I you talk about fitting those guys together. I think Peyton could play it in certain spots, too, as a just a pure mm-hmm. cover guy. If they're signing him, I think Ben has played some slot. Yeah. But I think I think for me about a Don is I want a guy in that spot that can flat out tackle. And that's yeah. something I love about a Don. Not only is as a kid, he was very fundamentally sound tackler. Then as he kind of filled out, he became also a physical fundamentally sound tackler. <laughs> and that's what I love about him in that role. It's not that he can't cover on the back end. It's just having a guy like that in the perimeter is just – and that's what made Jeremiah Wusukoromo so special. Adon's not like Jeremiah, but he was so unique from the other Rovers because he could just flat out run and cover, and they just haven't had that. They have like linebackers kind of playing that position. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I absolutely agree with you on that. Um, what 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 kind of made him the way he is as far as tackling is because um, when we're from in New Jersey, we um, it's like kind of a mixture, um, the way the style of football, the way he plays. So up here we have a lot of tough, hard-nosed running backs um, that we face in, in, in New Jersey. So some some, you know, a lot of decent D1 kids have gone to big power five schools for running backs from our area in New Jersey. So you have to know how to tackle. You have to make them feel it. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, Audric, Audric is from our area. So, you know, so you have to, and you have backs like that a lot up here. So you have to, you know, and then also um, where Don plays football at Irvington High, his coach, Smoke Pierre, he's a hard-nosed defensive coach. And he, you know, he preaches, you know, you got to come up and deliver some punishment and, uh, you know, make the team kind of tap out. So he, but uh, I agree with you. I think he can absolutely play exactly how you just stated. Love it. Don, can I ask you a question? Because we've talked a lot about Marcus Freeman. You mentioned Al Golden. You mentioned Chris O'Leary. I want to focus on Chris O'Leary for a second because I feel like he's a guy that we don't talk about a lot on this show just because – you know, usually you're going to talk about Coach Freeman and then kind of work your way mm-hmm. down a little bit. But I know every time I've talked to a Don, he's talked about Coach O'Leary, you know, and, and throwing some shade at him about his ability mm-hmm. on the sticks, as he would say, right? But yeah, uh, talk to me a little bit about Coach O'Leary and just your impression of him, getting to know him, you know, inviting him into your home pretty recently, just his quality as a person and a, as a coach. Yeah, Co- Coach O'Leary is wonderful, man. He, he, he's, he's wonderful. He is definitely a player's coach. His energy is through the roof. So Coach O'Leary, he will definitely keep them motivated and keep them interested in whatever level of degree he's teaching or showing them uh, 
styles or systems or anything like that. Like uh, he, he, I would definitely have loved to have him as a coach if I was playing. Yeah. So I, I got to speak to this. So uh, Don, I don't know if you know this, but I spent a year coaching football at Muhlenberg College. Okay. And my top three running backs were all Jersey kids. So, uh, and my starter was an All American that year. So, okay. yeah, I'm very familiar with yeah. this, even at the because it's that's the thing about Jersey. It's, it's not just the Audric Estimates and then the Jonathan Taylors. And the, mm-hmm. it, there's cats that are going to like one double A schools, D three schools. Mm-hmm. Like that's why. I mean, you know, New Jersey used to have dominant Division three mm-hmm. programs. You know, now there's more FCS schools that are taking some of those kids, but like. You know, Rowan used to be great. Montclair yeah. State used to have a great program. And, and and uh, you know, those kids' feet, a lot of those Eastern Pennsylvania schools, Muhlenberg when I was there, they're a playoff team almost every year. They We, we would just blanket the entire state of New Jersey looking for kids, you know, because there's the, something that's often not discussed about Jersey, especially northern Jersey. It's a very – there's a lot of strong academic kids there mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Not just – and it's not – as we found out with Adon, it's not just the – private school kids that you know mm-hmm. people assume that the grades are there but there's a lot of kids in new jersey and i want to and i'm curious kind of where this come in your opinion where this comes from we talked about where it came from with the don you know but where where does that mindset come from that toughness come from because here's the thing i found about jersey kids they're very grounded you know they understand i gotta work nothing's being mm-hmm. handed to me i gotta go earn everything i get where does that come from you know in, in your opinion well i, I think it, it mainly comes from the environment that they're in um, just like you said, like um, uh, majority of the kids that student athletes in New Jersey, they they see a lot of like you know once we do have a few that have um, that have branched out and, and and play major college football and also a few that have went to the NFL and and they a lot of them have came back you know to the same communities and talk to the kids so. And hands on. So once you a kid in, in, in the community and you could actually reach out and touch someone that kind of went to a public school, that went to a, a college, got an education and then went on to the NFL and played some years in the NFL. So in their mindset, they see that they say, OK, well, I can do this as well. You know, and like you said, nothing is given to these kids at all. And it's unfortunately sometimes, you know, the kids, they're um, you know, they overlook, a lot of the kids overlooked um, as far as uh, their education and, you know, just, they just overlook their rankings and everything like that. So they have to work harder. They have to strive harder. But, you know, in the end, I guess it just makes them, you know, makes them more solid whenever they do get the opportunity to be a student athlete at a major university. So I guess it helps them out in the long run, you know. Don, can I say this? Because as the resident New Jersey guy in this on this podcast, right? I got to hear. We about hired you in spite of that, Ryan. I'm just gonna I, let I you had know to hear that right now. Okay, I had I have to hear about Chicago all the time. I got to hear about Virginia sometimes, Don. I'm just saying that's right? where the ballers are, man. I mean, yeah, like, man. I, and Don, I, I get I get I get some slack in this chat at times too, because you know I got to I got to talk up Jersey, man, because it's it's built a little bit different in Jersey. We know this. We know this. So I, I'm glad that you just were able to put a little recognition where it deserves into Jersey as a former player, a former coach in the state. Uh, I, I just want to let you know, I appreciate you, sir, for that. Yeah. That's all, that's all yes. I want to Thank know. you. Thank you. I just, Don, <laughs> I just love how Ryan believes he's the only neutral observer in his love for his home state, right? Like Sean's <laughs> biased. I'm biased, but Ryan's just telling it like it is, which I mean, <laughs> 
Yeah, Jersey, Jersey, Jersey football get a hard day. We, I, I must say, we get a hard time, even when, um, like our kids in the youth programs, like Adon in 2018, he actually won um, the national championship um, and unlimited. And we were in Florida playing in Disney, and the guys was like, uh, you know, they still gave us a hard time because we were right. from Jersey compared to the Florida kids. And I don't know why everyone believed that uh, New York and New Jersey, that we just played basketball well. I, I'm, I'm, I don't understand Movies. that. But, That's why. Yeah. Movies. Uh, <laughs> right? we, play, we, we play football pretty good, too. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you got basketball movies being made about in there. You know, there's there's no yeah. Rucker Park for, you know, football players yeah, that, for football, that people right? talk about, right? <laughs> yeah, so right. I get it. I get it. Um, Don, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you. We appreciate everything you've done for us. And uh, I can't wait to I can't wait to see that cat lining up with uh, the blue and gold on, man. It's going to, although his, here's the funny, his first game at Notre Dame is going to be out of the country. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we, we were trying to, we wanted to go to that game very badly, but um, I don't know the way yeah. those prices are set up. <laughs> yeah. Unless we see some major changes in the cost of travel in the next couple of months. I'm, I'm, I may be, we may just do a get together in New Jersey to watch that game. Yeah, hey, that's absolutely. as far east as I can fly I, folks. I'm sorry. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we no, definitely, um, I definitely appreciate the Shuler family. Always appreciate you guys. You guys always definitely, um, you know, been positive and, and with us and everything. We, we, we wholeheartedly appreciate you guys all the time. Thanks, Absolutely, brother. Appreciate, we appreciate you. you. Enjoy your day. Best to with Don. Have a great day, man. All right. Thank we'll, you. We'll talk to you again around noon. Absolutely. See you. <laughs> all right. So we talked about Adon. Sean, I want to get your thoughts on Adon Schuler. Just what do you think of him as a player? Well, first of all, I think Adon Schuler is vastly, you know, we, we talked about this last night. We put something together that will probably be up on Irish Breakdown a little bit later. Just looking through the class and who we thought was either underrated, underappreciated, how they project. Look, for me, he projects as one of the leaders on a national championship team on the back end. Somebody that you can trust. Somebody that's going to deliver a blow. Somebody that's going to cause a forced fumble at a key time in the game. He's just a playmaker, man. And you look at what he was able to do in high school, offensively, defensively. So that's what I love about this defensive class, right? They have playmakers on the back yeah. end. Ben Minich, playmaker. Adon Shuler, playmaker. Peyton Bowen, playmaker. They just have a knack for making plays. And that's going to bode well if Peyton Bowen is indeed added to this class. They're going to have a group of safeties. And we, we tip our cap to Coach Mickens. If Peyton Bourne signs with Notre Dame, Coach sure. O'Leary, we're going to have to tip our cap to him as well because that trio on the back end, they can do a lot of different things very well. And that bodes well for something that I think for the past five seasons has uh, kind of worried Notre Dame. It's been fans. inconsistent. Yeah, yeah. Hey, look, Sean, we can talk about skilled players and we can talk about the speed. But yeah. at the end of the day, this isn't a seven on seven league. No. You need big boys. So that's what I want to talk about right now. Matter of yeah. fact, let's go ahead and bring one of those ghost cats in. We got Devin Houston with us. Devin, he's over here talking about corners and sages. Like, oh, this is big boy football, man. This game is played in the trenches. Devin Houston, 
a the, one of the newest members of the University of Notre Dame football team has joined us today. Thanks for being with us, Devin. No worries. My, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so you guys got to do all the dirty work while the skill players get all the love, right? It's- yeah, yeah, that, that's usually how it is, but it's all good. <laughs> Just talk to us about today, man. Just what what's today? I mean, I know you've been committed for a while, but but what is today like when you just it's official now, right? Like it's it's all behind you. It's it's your next chapter is now is officially started. Um, I say it, it's amazing to be honest. Um, just being being able to have that weight lifted off your shoulder um, because, you know, everyone's thinking, oh, he might flip. And in this day and age with the transfer portal and everything, like guys are decommitting left, right and center. And just to know that um, everyone knows now that I'm 100 percent locked in, even though I was back in May when I committed um, is a great feeling. And um, just it just puts me one step closer to um, uh, getting on campus in January and everything. So I'm just real excited to enroll early and get in the system um, real early and just blow up from there. I, I love that. I love the confidence. I love your journey too, Devin. So just give some people a, a background. You're from Mississauga. Is that how you say that? Did I say yeah, that Mississauga. somewhat correctly? Uh, in uh, That is in, in Ontario, right? Yeah. In Canada. So you're Canadian. You played your high school ball in Maryland. Your yeah. brother played high school basketball in Florida, right? Yeah. His last year. Uh, and then now you're heading to South Bend, Indiana. It's been quite the journey for you, uh, just kind of going around. Just tell us about just kind of how, how'd you get here? I mean, like, how did you go from playing in Ontario, you know, because Canada is not exactly known for big time football, although Chase Claypool yeah. would like to remind people like uh, we can ball <laughs> up here. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, so you're, you're, you're just what you, what your journey has been like and you're signing in a Notre Dame class. And there's another fellow Canadian in the class with you. So yeah. uh, on the defensive line. So what's this journey been like for you, Devin? Um, It's been crazy. I mean, just uh, blowing up last year, I'd say around October, um, like I definitely like when I came down. So how everything went down basically was I lost the season due to COVID, because um, Canada, you know, we're not we're not as we don't put sports as um, um, important as everything else, um, like like the Americans do. Um, and I very much wanted to play, so I came down to the uh, states, and I had an idea that I was good. I didn't think that I was like real good. And I didn't realize I was real good until um, I started actually playing and everything. And like, obviously I, I put in the work and I was training with my dad every single day and everything, but it wasn't until I, I got like my first sack in the game um, in the States. And I was like, Kaylee, like I can actually do something with this. I can actually get a free education and, and hopefully achieve my dreams of, of going to the NFL. Um, but yeah, no, it's been a crazy whirlwind. And then um, just like, I think I got like 10 or something offers in the span of a week. And, like, it was just a huge, like, wake-up call. And then it was truly a blessing um, just sitting down and talking to all the coaches and everybody. And, and when I got offered by Notre Dame, it just was a different feeling. So, yeah. So what 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 was different about Notre Dame? I mean, because you had some really – I mean, you had some really good schools. Come, obviously, Michigan was coming after you where your brother played basketball, right? Yeah. There was a lot of big-time schools across the country coming at you. At the end of the day, I know you took visits. You you liked a lot of other schools. What was it about Notre Dame that said, okay, this is the place that I'm going to spend my my college career? I definitely just say the family feel. Um, I'm a huge family guy. Um, and what Coach Freeman has going on over there and um, what Coach Washington has going on in the defensive line room is truly something special, I think. And just being a part of this class and, and being connected with all the guys, like we're, we're a pretty tight-knit group and everything. Like we we – know each other pretty well we know each other's families all that good stuff and um like 
again, I, a big thing that I was um, huge on, and I think I said it before, um, was how like coaches talk to you and everything. Cause I think that the recruiting and, and everything around college football can be very much um, business-based, but when you get somewhere like Notre Dame, where it's more about character and family and all that kind of stuff, it, it definitely puts them on a higher platform than a lot of other places. And um, like Coach Freeman and Coach Washington and Coach Golden, they all talk to you like you're a person, not a product. So they definitely um, hit home with that. And I think that's why they have one of the best classes in Notre Dame history right now. And, and you're part of that, right? So let's talk yeah. about – I want to get to some of your background and your academics a little bit, but I want to talk football here as well because you yeah. – just to segue because you segued that really, really nicely. Okay. Obviously, this is a really good class. And, yeah. and uh, you know, I believe one of the best names had in decades. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you've got to be good in the trenches to, to compete and win championships, right? And you're a key part of that. What are, what Let's talk about your game. So we're popping in your film. We just got done watching your film. And you're going to explain to people what Devin Houston brings to the table to this Notre Dame defense. Um, I think I'm – like my biggest um, asset to the team is definitely my versatility. Um, for a guy as big as me, I've, I play on the, I've played on the edge my entire um, football career, um, but you typically don't see a guy as big as me playing on the edge um, in college football, obviously. But I think my versatility definitely is, is my biggest asset because I'm able to play anywhere from a five all the way to a nose. Um, and um, whether it's playing end in a three front, a three front or playing um, three tech or a nose in a, a four front, I think um, – I'm, I'm definitely an asset in that aspect. And also, I would just say um, my motor. I like to get after the ball, even if the ball's on the complete opposite side of me, which happened a lot this season. Not a lot of guys wanted to run to my side. Um, I'll chase them down, and, and I'll, I'll get there and try to make the play and, and, and hopefully make the play. But, um, yeah, i definitely just say my motor, uh, my versatility, and I'd also say my just my aggressive nature. I'm, I'm pretty much I'm, – I'm a dog when it comes to <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I, I just I like what I what I loved about that comment, Sean, is that he he's saying it while also just like this this sense of like hum, humbleness. Like, I don't want to say this as boldly as I want to because I don't want to come across. I want to be humble. I want to do this. But you can see he's like, Lute, I'm I'm here to ball, man. And, and I think, Sean, you and I would agree that is something Notre Dame certainly needs a lot more of. Those kids that, that know they're good. But the, here's the key. Now they want to go out and show people that yeah. they're good. That's the key. That's and that's the, key. the that's the great thing about this class. I don't think he's the only dog. Like right. he yeah. has he has company. And I want to talk about, you know, coming to games and being a part of this class. You you guys are a special group. The way you've bonded and the way you truly believe and think big and mm -hmm. projecting that not only in your class, but projecting that to future classes, that this is a place that elite players should come and play college football. Talk about the brotherhood that exists in this class amongst you guys. Um, I say it's huge, and I think it starts off with the guys who who committed first, like um, Brendan Vernon, uh, Drake Bowen. They've done great jobs of keeping um, all of us together and keeping us locked in. And you know, we have our group chats, we talk, all that stuff, um, sending clips, uh, clowning each other when funny stuff happens, everything like that. So, I think um, I also give credit to. Um, um, Chad Bowden a lot. Um, he he's definitely helped keep us all together and and really organize things and, and tried to make all of us come down at the same time so we can all see each other and 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 start getting those connections early and like our moms talk to each other and everything. So 
um, I definitely say we're we're, we're a really tight knit group and probably the tightest knit group um, in all of uh, recruiting right now. So it's definitely a blessing to be part of. Now I just want to warn you, okay? There's a yeah. tradition amongst Notre Dame football players that okay. they can they compete on the hardwoods. They go at it pretty hard. <laughs> so I just want to let you know your brother's in the NBA. So you you're gonna have to hold up that Houston name. I mean, you mm-hmm. come down to South Bend in the offseason yes, hooping against the other players, all right? Because they, they go at it yeah. pretty hard. Yeah. Yes, no, sir. see, what you got to do, Devin, is when, when you're playing summer pickup games, like, yeah, I'm just going to bring a friend of mine with me and uh, he'll have my back. <laughs> and it's like, you know, oh, it's just some guy. Just, just you know, like, you know, you know, it's it's all good. Obviously, for those who don't know, uh, Devin's older brother, Caleb, uh, was a uh, five-star recruit in basketball, played last year at Michigan, and was a uh, second-round pick of the Magic, I believe, correct? And is yeah. currently on the roster and playing for the Magic. So, uh, yeah, that's your ringer. Uh, but he's right. No, Notre Dame basketball football players like they used to have a tournament. Yeah, uh, at Notre Dame for for student basketball and the football teams would always have like a bunch of different teams on it. So yeah, he, he's serious though. Like Notre Dame football players, like there's a tradition of, of hooping it up. So, um, yeah. you know, they're, they're going to assume that you can ball, right? Because who <laughs> your brother is. So I got to ask you, can you ball? Are, are mean, you good on the hardwood, or you're like, no, this is why I put pads on. I mean, I, I am pretty good. I haven't I haven't played seriously in a while, but I'll definitely say I'm more of a, a Dennis Rodman kind of guy. There you go. For the go. actual score, I like to get I like to get dirty, do up dirty work, all that good stuff. So yeah, I, I, Devin, I'd be worried about you if you were spending all your time around the three point lane. I'd be a little bit like, come on, exactly. you, know, you're, exactly. you know, you're six, you're two, you're nose tackle, you know, you're you're a defensive <laughs> tackle, man. Like you got to get down in the paint, partner. You yeah. know, so that's good. That's good. This, this hey, Brian Ryan. Devin is coming across as a sneaky trash talker. Yes. Oh, yeah. He's like, he smiles. Yeah. Humility. But on the inside, he's like, just, I'm just trying to get you out. Just bring it on. I, can, I, dare, I dare you to bring it into paint. Like, I'm, I'm smiling and I, you know, I got the nice hair, you know, and I, yeah. I'm a private school kid, you know, and all that. But, let you dare you to come to the paint. I dare you to come to the paint. You know he wants to say it. You know I can see him getting under the skin of a lot of offensive yeah. linemen in the future. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Devin, one thing that's I, I think is really fun is the defensive line class. Because you mentioned the whole class in general, but the defensive line class. I think Brian mentioned it already earlier in the podcast. I mean, you're six four plus two hundred seventy plus pounds. Brendan Vernon six five two hundred seventy five plus pounds. Arnold Mukum six four two fifty. Bubakar is six foot four two fifty plus. And you all guys are super long, athletic, and I'm interested to see just how this defensive line kind of shakes out because I mean you're a kid that can play like you said out to five all the way to the nose. Like you can play some three tech. I think Brendan Vernon's the same way. I think Bubakar is the same way. I think Arnold Mukum is the same way. Like I'm interested because you guys are all very versatile players. You have size, you have length. I guess my question for you is just how interested are you seeing how kind of everything works out from a development perspective? Cause I mean, we could be looking three or four years from now and saying like, that's not quite how we anticipated it working out, but Notre Dame really loaded up on a lot of versatile, big defensive linemen in this class. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, um, like you said, like a couple years, even, I'm, I'm like me personally. I'm very interested just to see myself in um, June after I'm I'm going um, under the program of Matt Ballas, obviously Coach Ballas, and um, bodies change and everything. So I wouldn't be surprised if we all ended up playing like the same position, rotating in and out kind of thing, or um, all of us become D tackles and we rotate between nose and three tech and everything like that. Um, yeah. 
which would honestly be pretty scary because we're some pretty athletic interior defensive linemen if, if you're looking at it that way. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely think that every single guy on our defensive line um, can probably play everywhere um, once we get there and once we um, start putting on weight and all that good stuff. So I'm definitely excited to see how it works out. Love it, man. And I guess mm-hmm. my, my second part to that is that we're going to have Armel Mukam on pretty soon here, who is also from Canada. And you, I know you guys have those same similar kind of backgrounds, different parts of Canada, but you have kind of the same background in that sense. I guess maybe my question for you as far as, you know, your ability to get to know Ar- Marnell throughout this process, because I know I spoke to him last week or the week before, and he said that he actually had reached out to you when you had committed to Notre Dame, and he was, you know, still looking at, like, other schools, and he ended up committing to Stanford. So can you talk to me about maybe just the brotherhood that you've developed between Armel since you guys do have similar backgrounds a little Keep bit. in mind, Armel is in the chat now. He is yeah, so that'd be nice. So- <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, um- Armel, that's my guy. I mean, he's probably, I'd say out of all the recruits, he's the one I'm closest to. Um, we talk all the time, um, whether it be football or, like, we talk about our hair a lot, um, give each other hair tips, that kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, no, when he reached out, I, I was pretty excited. Um, when he said Notre Dame offered, he was looking at it, and he, he asked me um, why I made my decision, and I let him know. Like, um, I kind of just narrowed it down to where do I – where can I excel in the classroom, where can I excel on the field playing and um um, competing at the highest level and that ended up to be Notre Dame and in terms of the family aspect like I mentioned before I was I had a great relationship so have sorry um, a great relationship with um, coach Golden coach Washington and um, coach Freeman and I basically just said that to him sent him a long paragraph in his DMs um, explaining that to him and then uh, a couple of days later he flipped so I mean I guess I did my job uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but also it, it wasn't even like I was like it wasn't even like me um, trying to recruit him or anything like that I was just telling him how it was and he felt that and I think that's why he committed so um, yeah but other than that like Armel's a great dude I'm excited to get down there with him and he's, he's probably gonna be my roommate so yeah so I mean guys mentality is important in football right and when you talk about a defensive line, you need the guys that are tough. So you got to have a defensive tackle and a defensive end that's talking about wanting to play Dennis Rodman football. You got another defensive lineman who's a former hockey player. I I, I think, guys, as we bring Armel in here, I hey, think, guys, uh, that, uh, we're at least getting that mindset, right? Like former hockey player, a, a basketball player that's like, yeah, okay, sh- you shoot. I want to play down here. <laughs> uh, I, I think that's clearly something, guys. So I'm, I'm going to let you guys kind of take over, but I just thought it'd be really cool to get the two of you guys, the two Canadians, right? I mean, I think that's a great story, you know, and two Canadians who, who had to go away from where they kind of grew up to both went to great academic high school. So y'all were just going to football factories, right? Like y'all didn't just go to like IMG or something like that or football factory. Y'all went somewhere that you're going to get a great education too. And that has led you to Notre Dame. And I just think that's a tremendous story. Yeah, no, it really is. And welcoming Armel Mukum to the set. So Armel, I'm going to ask you a question that we just asked Devin, and I'll let Devin get out of here because we really appreciate his time, right? So I just asked Devin about his relationship with you. So I want to ask you the, the the exact question, just opposite way. How has it been just developing the relationships with this class, with Devin specifically having a similar background, and to finally be to where you are the on signing day, man? It has to be pretty crazy. Just think about it a little bit. Yes, sir. So I think I have a great um, relationship with Devin. Uh, he's a great dude. Um, I remember I was talking to him when I was uh, committed to Stanford, and I didn't even, like, Notre Dame didn't even offer me yet. I was just talking to Devin and, you know, wishing him good luck because you want your 
your uh, Canadian football players to succeed. So, you know, I slid, slid in his DMs. I was like, hey, good luck at the next level, man. See you at the top. But then Notre Dame offered it. I was like, damn, I might I might actually play with Devin. So then I asked him a couple of questions about Coach Freeman, uh, how they were as a coaching staff. And, you know, like he said, he didn't really try to recruit me. He was just, like, putting it out on the table and just told me how it, is, how it was. So... Yeah, I just felt like Notre Dame was home at this point. Uh, you know, I kept building that uh, relationship with Devin. Armel, let me ask you, man, because obviously this is a big day for Notre Dame football. It's a massive day for you as well, obviously. You know, the, the journey you've been on and everything. So just take me through your emotions today, man. How happy are you? What, are, what What's everything been like just finally being here after months and months and months of recruiting? Yes, yeah, sir. So I'm really happy. I'm really happy. I'm really um, excited because – before today, nothing was really official, but now just to make it official, uh, knowing that I'll be part of the roster, it's just, it's surreal. I was looking at my Snapchat, my memories, and I had a, a one year ago, like what I was doing. And, you know, I was just like, I was now, now today, I'm, you know, I'm signing with Notre Dame, which is uh, kind of crazy. I never expected to, I mean, sign with Notre Dame two years ago, a year ago from today. Yeah. Well, and l- let me ask you this next one, and I'll let Sean jump in here, Armel. Uh, my biggest question is, and, and I've, I've done a couple articles on you at this point, a little bit of your background, you know, coming from Canada, coming up to coming down, excuse me, to Woodbury Forest, being new to the game of football, being a hockey player. But take us through a little bit of just your athletic background, man, because it's a wild journey. Uh, take t- Talk a little bit about the airplane ride that got canceled too that that forced you to come up all right so so give us just a little brief background of how you ended up here uh to Woodbury yes yep yeah so you know I did my I wanted to uh play division one football when I first started because like when I was playing hockey I wanted to go to college to play hockey because academics and sports always been uh big for me so I feel like uh uh, was the best thing to um I mean, the best route to take in order to do so. So then I started playing football. I uh, wanted to play Division One football. And, you know, I talked to a bunch of different coaches from here, and they were like, hey, if you want to get more exposure, you better just go to the U.S. Like, I know a couple of kids that um, went to different um, prep schools, and I was like, yeah, maybe that's – I mean, that that's what I have to do. So I started to do research online, reached out to the D-line coach from Woodbury, and then we just started talking, started the um, – I mean, we get to the recruiting process, and I ended up at Woodbury. And the day I was supposed to go to Woodbury, so the first day, I was supposed to go with my mom. Uh, I think it was well, on the Friday, and our flight got canceled. Like, went to the airport, and, like, we tried to uh, check in. It wasn't working. We asked the lady at the counter, like, what's going on? And she was like, your flight got canceled. I was like, damn, all right? So we looked at um, all the different options, and there was only one flight leaving the day after, and there was only one place, one seat on the plane. So I was like, damn, I guess I'll have to go by myself. So then I went went to Woodbury. They didn't, didn't really know Virginia. It was my first time going to Virginia, so I didn't know a lot. And they also lost um, to my suitcase. So I go there, wait for an hour, lost both of my suitcases. And I was like, damn, <laughs> you know, what a great start. And then the driver from Woodbury picked me up. Uh, we went to school. And, you know, at that time, I really realized, like, the community at Woodbury, how good, like, how good of people they have. Because, you know, they gave me a bunch of, like, athletic clothes and a towel, shampoo, because everything was in my uh, my two other suitcase. So, yeah, 
that was a rough experience rough first time in virginia you know i think looking at your journey and decommitting from stanford and being connected to notre dame and committing and signing with them today you had the opportunity to have two great men in connections with david shaw and now marcus freeman just talk about your relationship with both of those guys in your journey to get to Notre Dame and to have this big time day today for you and your family. And then talk about what you think you need to improve on the most as soon as you get on campus. Yes, sir. So I'd say my relationship with Coach Shaw, I didn't really, to be honest, I didn't really talk to uh, Coach Shaw. I only talked to him twice. Uh, first time was uh, when they offered me and second time on uh, my official visit. And the third time, I guess, when I decommitted. But um, I'd say my, you know, I wasn't, I didn't really have a relationship with Coach Shaw, the head coach. I was mostly talking to the D-line coach, Coach Reynolds. But that's what I like about Notre Dame. Here, the head coach, Coach Freeman, you know, he calls me every single week just to check up on me, not even, like, talking about football. And, you know, I instantly, like, after the first two weeks that I committed, I was like, all right, Notre Dame, you know, I made the right decision because having the head coach, you know, texting and be like, hey, hit me up when you're free, you know, it's just, it's just different just different he has I bet he has a lot of things to do he, he's a real busy man but for him to take the time to text me and you know check up on me really really meant a lot really meant a lot to me so I'd say I have a pretty special relationship uh, with coach Freeman and I'd say the thing I need to improve when I get on campus is definitely my technique my technique I feel like you know I'm still I'm still new to the game I still have a lot a lot to learn in order to uh become the player I want to to be the player I want to become. So I say really my technique, my pad level, and, you know, just being a sponge. I'm going to try to learn um, from Coach Washington because, you know, he produced Isaiah Foskey, uh, Justin Adamilola, two great D-linemen that are probably going to get drafted. So, you know, I'm going to just listen to him and, you know, um, take in everything that he uh, tells me I need to improve on. And I love your video, man, the attitude you have coming in. You already feel like you're a different type of player and a difference maker. Where does that come from? I don't know. I guess since I've, I've played football, I've, I always felt like I had something different in me. Like, I wasn't like um, the other kids. And, like, just for instance, like, when I was in Canada, people were like, oh, you know, why are you not coming to the party or whatever, whatever. And then, you know, I was, I was doing homework. I was grinding. I was in the weight room. And I felt like I was the only one with that vision. People didn't understand, but as long as I understood my mission and my goal, uh, I mean, it was good. So I said that's why that's where it came from. Fantastic. I love it, Armel. Again, man, we really appreciate you taking some time. Because for people that don't know, Armel after this is going to a workout, right? So his day is busy, <laughs> man. Right. His day is busy. Uh, what's kind of the vibe, though, been, man? Because I know, obviously, it's a – it's a little bit of a different experience with your family being in Canada, right? Like it's a big day for you, but then they're back home. What's kind of just been their response? Cause I know we talked about it a couple of weeks ago and you said, you know, like they didn't really understand like, you know, what a signing day is, right. They're just like, Oh, he's going to Notre Dame already. But being able to share this moment with them, cause you made a big sacrifice, obviously going down to Virginia, but they made a big sacrifice as well. Letting you make that journey. Right. So can you give us maybe a little bit into your family's perspective and, this what this day means for them as well oh yes i still had to explain to them they was as of uh this morning but um they're pretty they're pretty excited you know they had to sign something so we're like all right so this is official now but yeah it's been great they're happy you know they invested in me they did some time energy and like you said made a lot of sacrifices for me 
and now today just to see that like all the work I put in and all the sacrifices they made are finally like paying their dues is really really something great and special for me and my family. And I know Armel with with um, with everything that's going on on your end. So you're not going to be an early enrollee. You've got a few months left of high school and do all that good stuff. So what does the next few months look like for a kid that is finishing out the high school before you finally get on campus there in in the summer? Uh, I'm gonna keep working hard. I'm gonna work on my speed, try to get bigger, stronger, and faster. Um, as of right now, I'm doing track, so I'm really trying to, uh, like I told you, try to break the uh, school record for shot put which is 59. So I'm going to definitely go for that. I'm also do the 55 meter just to work on my, uh, my Twitch, that first four steps, you know, they got to be explosive when you're on the D line, which is probably going to help me. And also, um, Notre Dame is probably going to send me, um, a workout plan that I'll do for sure. And, you know, I keep watching film with coach watch coach, um, Seabass, and, you know, just working on my craft, working on my game. You know what's funny, man, is I coached track and field for a long time. I was a thorough coach, so I know when we talked on the phone last week, like, you know, we were kind of talking a little bit about the shot put. You know, you have a 52-foot shot put PR, which is a great throw, and you're going for that school record, obviously, that one of your teammates just just set, right? So, <laughs> but I mean, that's unique, but then also you're running the 55-meter, right? And that's a, that's a sprint, right? You don't see too many guys – that are shot putters and throwers in general that do the 55 meters just to speak to the athleticism we got here, folks. And also a hockey player as well. We were talking with Devin beforehand and Notre Dame has this tradition of playing a lot of pickup basketball. Uh, you got any basketball game then, or are you going to wait for the uh, pickup hockey game to start playing out? I think, I think I can do both. I'm going to, I'm going to do pickup basketball, pickup hockey for sure. Love it, man. I love it. So, Armel, I guess my last thing for you, man, is I really want to boast about you as a player for a second because I, I really – look, the junior film, I thought all the traits were easy to see, right? You're long. You're explosive. As a senior, even though the the, the sack number wasn't incredibly high, I watched your senior film, man, and I was like, he really took a massive step forward. Like, you could tell that the offense was – sliding protection to you they had two men on you a whole lot they were doing those extra things because they knew that you were the game wrecker can you talk to me just about from junior year to senior year how much you took a jump in your opinion as a player being you know still obviously new to the game so i say from junior year i'd say i relied a lot on my um how big i was on my um athleticism but um senior year i think i really worked on my technique i really um in the spring, I worked with uh, our head coach, Jackson, who, who played O-line. I really worked on my technique, work on my hands, using my hands, because when I get to the collegiate level, you know, everybody's big, everybody's fast, everybody's strong. So I won't be able to uh, rely on my size. So I need to be, uh, become more technical, and I think you can see it um, on the film. Love it. I love it. Sean, I don't know if you have anything else or I can let him get out of here. Armel Mookum, newest member the Notre Dame Fighting Irish 2023 class who – we have been on record, and I know Brian mentioned it earlier, but this could be the best class that Notre Dame has had in decades. When you're talking about from a balanced perspective, star talent, it's a big-time class for Notre Dame, and you obviously are a big part of that, Armel. And we appreciate you so much. Thank you for joining the show today. And I know it's an exciting day, and I just want you to have the best day ever, man. Like I want you to be able to enjoy this, all right? Yes, sir. Thank you. Awesome. Armel Mookum leaving the set. Thanks again to him. Sean, we have a, another great young man that joined the show. I, I think that's a – look, man, we shouldn't be surprised at that. We're talking about Notre Dame kids, right? But 
I mean, See, the last two. Yeah. Like, that's why we wanted these kids on these shows because we. Yeah. We can all pop in the film on when they got their helmet on and the jerseys, and you don't really see other thing than the talent. But as as you guys especially get to talk to these kids, these are really unique, smart, engaging, uh, just really quality young men. And I think Ryan, that's something that really shines when these kids get on. Like like Devin's personality just jumps through the screen. You know, yes. our too, like uh, just really smart, thoughtful kids and. They, they push back against what a lot of people view as the stereotype as big time football players, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it, that's kind of what makes it fun to have these kids on here. It, it really is. I mean, cause it's, it, it's easy for some kids like that to just look, wrestle in their athleticism and their physical ability. Right. And to just be a football guy. But I think that that's what really does make him unique. Brian is that Armel Mookum picked his schools twice because of the academics where he wants to go and, I mean, you want to talk about the, I mean, you've heard the story and I know he just talked about it again, but taking a, taking a, making a bet on yourself, man, to go down from Canada all the way down to Virginia, make the move yourself without your parents being there and to, you know, just make that type of a gamble just for the betterment of your future and your academics and your athletic career. I mean, I think it's a testament to the quality of person he is and the quality of young man. He's, mature beyond his years man like you heard him even talking about like because that's something that usually old guys like us talk about you know like oh man mm-hmm. i wish i didn't go to that party as much when i was in high school or something like that and our mel's talking about that like now he's like you know i i didn't go to the party because i was too busy working out and doing my academics and reading book and doing all that type of stuff and I, I just really think that he is an exemplary person and the dependent i mean like what we don't know exactly what will happen to all these kids in the class, like what is their career trajectory going to be? How good are they going to be at Notre Dame? Is Armel Mookum going to be a star player or is he just going to be a depth player? We, we don't know, right. right? And especially with the transfer portal era. But all I know is that Notre Dame got a high-level athlete, a really high ceiling with Armel Mookum, but they also got a great kid, right? Can we talk about that enough that they got an incredible young man? Yeah. And, I mean, it's just – I could talk to that kid all day, man, because he's just such a good young man, which makes it fun. Yeah. Ryan, I, uh, yeah, I think when you look at this D line class, it's a very interesting group. And I think it's probably the group on the, on the roster that has the biggest question marks mm-hmm. and, you know, but it also has a lot of talent. And I think that's the, that's the part that makes it intriguing for me is none of these kids are surefire things. None, none of right. them. They're all, there's all, there's some projection with all of them. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I would argue that, that probably, I actually would argue that Devin Houston has the highest floor. I think, I think our first guest might disagree with that a little bit. Him and Brennan Vernon to me probably have the two highest floors. You know, but Brennan's got you know he's got some injuries in his background, and you know Devin hasn't been playing football a long time, and Armel's been playing football even less than that. And Bubakar is another raw kid who, uh, you know, who's really. Um, you know, missed a, a chunk of this year and and uh, wasn't there in the playoffs and things like that. So. That is the one group where there's some projection there, right? And and that's going to be a key is is Marcus Freeman, and it needs to make sure that whoever's coaching that defensive line is a really good developer. And so Al Washington is certainly going to be put to the test because I think you've got now two two classes in a row, Ryan, mm-hmm. where you have signed some really really toolsy kids that are going to play in the D line. You know, last year you had Aiden Gobira, Tyson Ford. Now you've got Josh Burnham to that conversation, and then this year's group it's 
there's some really talented kids in this class, but they all need work. Yes. They all need developed. And I think that's going to be something that's just, I don't say make or break. Cause I think this class can still make it, but that's going to be the thing that maybe determines that. And Kenny Minchie yep. are two things that could have the biggest impact on just how good this class is. Because why do we talk about the 1990 class? If the 1990 class wouldn't have produced on the field, we wouldn't mm-hmm. have been talking about how good it was when it signed. Right. Part, you know, now Lou Samoji has said that it was perceived to be, because that's a question I asked Lou, the late great Lou Samoji once when we were having this conversation, you know, because Lou would do those, you know, top 25 classes. And I think the 90 class was his like second all time behind mm-hmm. one of Frank Leahy's classes in the 40s that literally went through four years and never lost a game. <laughs> right. So the, the greatness was based off what these guys did in college. So I asked Lou, I said, was this class perceived to be that good when it signed? And he's like, oh, yeah, it was like just filled with parade all Americans at the time parade all American. That was like that. If you were a parade all American, you were a five-star like top 50 kind of recruit. And they were just filled with those kind of guys. Mm-hmm. And, and the old heads will remember that, but it was perceived it at the time. But the reason that we're still talking about it 20, 32 years later, right. Is, mm-hmm. is why it's because it produced and it, and it was a part of some really good football teams. And that's going to be the key here, but this D line is going to have to really be developed because there's a lot of talent there. We talked yesterday, right? You know, Bubakar could be that guy that ends up being like a star, you right. know. Um, but yeah. he, he's got to develop, and it, that's the and thing. It, it's going to put a lot of pressure on developments, right? It is because when you look at it, Brian. I mean, when you add in this class, the four-man class that Notre Dame has on the defensive line with the Aiden Gabiras from last year, the Tyson Fords, the Joshua Burnhams. I mean, Notre Dame's going to have an all-bus team, right? Like, they're going to look the part. Like, they're going to walk off the bus and be like, there's like seven of them, right? Like, they just all look the same. Like, super long, athletic, can play multiple spots. But there are some variants to how good they can be, right? Like, a Bubakar Triori can be a star at the college level, or he can be a good player. Right, or Arma he could be guy that could never be... cracks the rotation. Exactly. I mean, Armand Mukum is the yeah. perfect ceiling floor guy, right? Because he might never see a snap at Notre Dame, or he could be a really good football player right. at Notre Dame. Kid. He could be Adi Ogundiji. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And and that's the variance, and that's why you need to hope that Al Washington is able to develop this group. Because I know that some people are looking at it, and we had Tom Lemming on, and I do disagree with him a little bit in that sense as well. Right. It, it's you're you're not getting more of the sure things with Keon Keeley. There's no doubt about that, right? Like he is a five star legit dude. The minute he steps foot on sure. campus, we know that. You can still turn Bubakar, Armel Mukum, those types of guys, Joshua Burnham into stars. I believe with the talent level, but there is a variance, right? And that puts pressure on your coaching and your development, the strength staff, everyone to get the best out of them. And if they do get the best out of them. Notre Dame's going to be just fine on the defensive line. Does it still need to get better? Of course. It always needs to get better. But I think that for me, you have a lot of high ceiling, lower floor guys, and it could turn out great. But the minute that you load up on those same types of players, you are putting pressure on your staff. You are, right? Like they need to develop now. A comparative to if you have a class that has a Keon Keeley and then those types – you can still settle and say like, hey, but, you know, I still have Keon to lean on, right? Even if I'm not the best developer in the world, we know Keon is still a dude right. potentially for us. So if there's a gamble, there's there's definitely some pressure put on developments. But if Al Washington could be that guy or, you know, in moving forward, then he's got a lot of tools to work with. There's no doubt about that. 
Right. So Ryan, let's, uh, I think as we kind of, we're going to have some other guests coming up here soon and, um, kind of see how everything plays out today. It's going to be a very interesting day, man. Very interesting day. But, uh, when, when we look at this defensive class, I think it's fair to say, and we'll dive into it a little bit more today. It is fair to say that if you could have a critique of this class, it would be that it would be that you don't have the same type of impact player that has a little higher floor. Like at receiver, you've got a Jaden Greathouse, Braylon James. So I think those guys have a little higher floors than the kids that we're talking about, right? And mm-hmm. running back, Jeremiah Love, clearly has a high floor, high ceiling guy. Kenny Minchie, high floor, high ceiling guy. Tight end, Cooper Flanagan, very high floor guy. Offensive line, Charles Jackersall, Solomon Absher. Linebacker, Drake Bowen, Jaden Osbury. Corner, you know, Christian Gray, safety. You know, Don Schuler is a very high floor kid, that kind of thing. If they're able to get Peyton Bowen, again, that hasn't that has not been announced or decided yet, uh, as far as I know. But you've, even without him, you've got a Don Schuler who's a high floor guy that's got a lot of ability. You've got Ben Schuler. This group is the one that has the most, I would say, I'm trying to think how to put this right, boomer mm-hmm. bust to it yeah. to a degree. And I think the, the, this that's why I go back to circling back to what I said at the beginning of this conversation was that's why this group could have a big say on just how good this class is going to be. Yeah. The thing that could separate it from being a really good class that played a very key role in a championship or being the class that is the reason, the mm-hmm. driver, the foundation of a championship class it, it, in a lot of ways is just it's going to be that. It's going to be that defensive line class. Well, I mean, I think that's very easy to state too, Brian. Like, I agree with you 100% because, I mean, like, I don't think there's a high level of risk with, like, the wide receivers, for instance, right? You're going to have a couple guys that I think are going to play extremely well. Kenny Minchie's a quarterback that I think has an extremely high floor. I think Jeremiah Love has a pretty good floor for, for his potential. I think the offensive line group has guys that have nice floors. The secondary, I think, will be one of the best in the nation, you know, even with with or without Peyton Bowen, but obviously much better with Peyton Bowen, the mm-hmm. linebacker group. The defensive line, I think people don't talk about it enough, and I'm glad you brought it up, is that the defensive line could be really stinking good, yeah. man, but it could also not be great, right? Like there's, there is variance right. with that group. But you can still get excited about that because yeah. if Notre Dame does hit on two out of four, you're in a good spot. If they hit three out of four or more, then you're like, oh, man, now we're – Heading in the right direction because the thing about that class is, excuse me, Brendan Vernon could be 300 pounds, right? He can. David Houston could be around 300 pounds. Bubakar Traore and and Armel Mukum could be the small guys, and they're already 250 plus pounds as we sit. Like that could be a really massive, talented group if they all develop properly and they stick through all the trials and tribulations that inherently come with playing college football on a high level. So I'm excited to see it because although it's going to be a little bit of a roller coaster, most likely at times, as far as like just watching the development, I think that if they stick together and they develop properly and there's the right people in place to develop them and this defensive line class could be the make it or break it moments for the 2023 group, because there's a lot of potential. It's just the floors are what worry you a little bit from an evaluation perspective. Yeah. Ryan, what would you say? What would you say the ceiling is of the like? Because here, I, I mean, I think the odds of all four hitting are, are uh-huh. you know, if they were all top hundred kids, the odds of all four hitting would be, you know, I mean, not great. Yes, but it, as you kind of look at it and say, okay, here is 
here is the situation of this group of four. Who I want to ask you this: Who do you think of this group has the best chance to be a um, early impact guy? I'm asking you a couple questions about this D line class. Mm-hmm. Who do you think has a chance to be the the sort of the the best or the the guy that can play the the quickest in your opinion? I think it's between two guys for me, and I would say it's between Devin Houston and Brennan Vernon because I think those two guys do have the highest floors out of the other out of the four, right? Like I think even though, and I agree with Tom Lemming when he said this, Brennan Vernon could still be a whole lot better, and I agree with him a hundred percent. There's no doubt, but he also brings a fantastic floor in the sense that he is going to do the dirty work, right? Like there's sometimes where you want him to let it loose a little bit more, but Brendan Vernon is 6'5", 275 plus pounds, and he's got the physicality to be able to play inside and out. You also have a guy like a Bubakar, I mean like a Devin Houston, who I think is the same thing. Like physically he's going to be able, ready to play. But those guys for me, Brian, are the are the players that I think have the highest floors and the guys that when you look at the defensive line class – they're the best bats, I think, year one to play, and I think that both of them can come in and potentially could be for for a role if, if they have it. Yep. So we uh we have a we have a uh we talked a lot about the D line here. Uh, uh-huh. Let's quickly bring on someone who's going to be doing some blocking in his career. <laughs> Are you ready to go, Sullivan? All right. <laughs> so let's quickly bring on Sullivan Absher, and then we're going to talk to Debbie Odding. So we're go- we we've talked a lot of defense here in the last couple of minutes here, Sullivan. So okay. uh, we, we need to bring in some guys that can that are going to be responsible for some scoring some points. So we uh, we appreciate you uh, you coming on with us, man. So oh, yeah. What what's today? I mean, it's been a it's been a wild journey, man, uh, for you. Let's just talk about kind of what today what today is like. What's what it means for you? Oh, I mean, today was just I guess just a formality, really, because I mean from what was it? May, May 13th. I mean, I've been, it's been settled for me, but just to finally sign and, and get it out of the way and having all these other guys sign and finally, you know, make it official. It's just, it's a really good feeling, you know, just to have it all settled and, and done. So I want to kind of go back a little bit, uh, Sullivan, because it was wild kind of as an outsider following your recruitment. There was a lot of talk about it was going to be Clemson and Clemson was ever going to go. And then you made a visit to Notre Dame in April, I yeah. believe. And that started to kind of change things pretty quickly for you. What was it about sort of that that lead up to that, that visit that just kind of solidified like, yep, this is this is what I'm leaving the Carolinas. I'm leaving the beautiful, you know, East Coast and I'm going to go to <laughs> Indiana. Right. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is, like, my parents raised me to not, you know, like, stay home my entire life. They uh, they wanted me to go and do what I wanted to do. And really the moment that did it for me is me and my mom are sitting in the uh, – I forgot to – I think we were staying in the, the Ivy Court Inn, which is right across from uh, the Goog, like across the road there. And uh, it, the sun was going down. This was right after we had – uh, I think we had just finished eating dinner and the sun was setting and we had a perfect view of the, the golden dome from my room. And that moment, it just kind of hit me in my heart. I was like, I just don't know if there's anywhere else that I need to be like, this is, this is, I, this is place is special. I need to, I need yeah. to be here. So yeah, that was the moment that, that really did it for me. And I mean, Clemson, I'm not knocking them, but it was almost just too much like too much like home in a way. Mm-hmm. I guess you could say, but yeah, that was, that was the moment that did it for me. 
Love Solomon, it. I think a, a unique thing, Ryan, I just want to ask him this real quick, because we're going to have Debbie Odding, the, the mother of Joe Odding, on his class. And it's such a unique class because Joe is from Kansas. Mm-hmm. Charles Jagasol from Illinois. You and yeah. Sam are from North Carolina. And then you got Christopher Tarek, who's from Illinois. So it's like you got this kid out in Topeka, Kansas. Yeah. These two kids <laughs> from Illinois, these two kids in North Carolina, all over the country going to come together and have to form one cohesive yeah. group what's that relationship been like as you guys because you and sam obviously had met and you've done yeah, some trips yeah. together but like what has it been like kind of getting to know joe and charles and and obviously christopher Terry kind of jumping on late what's yeah. it been like you guys kind of becoming that you know working on that bond yeah i mean it's been it's been seamless because for the uh the clemson game uh this was before christopher had uh had committed it was the four of us there me joe sam and uh and charles and i mean because we had already like you know we've had we have several group chats and we we play Xbox tonight or Xbox at night several times a week. So I mean it's really just getting to meet them in person. And I mean I still haven't met Christopher in person, but me and him Snapchat and keep up with each other on Instagram all the time. But I mean I don't. There's not going to be any problems. We're already starting to form this family bond that we already have, and I just I just can't wait to see it like at Notre Dame when we finally get there and start practicing and start living together and all that stuff. Sullivan, can you, can you talk a little bit about the importance of Harry? Heath standing in this whole thing, right? Cause I know that consistently, yeah. no matter which offensive line recruit that you talk about in the 2023 class for Notre Dame, that's like the first name out of their mouth, you know, yeah. just to sit down, <laughs> watch film, joke with them. Like what's his impact been on you? Oh man. I mean, he's just so like real with you. Cause when uh, I think this was this wasn't the April visit, I think it was the one before, maybe January. So this was right after he got hired, I guess. Um, but he had a cut up of my film, and I mean, he was you know he was grading it and he was doing all this stuff like I was already playing for him. I was like, dang, he's being kind of tough on me. <laughs> but uh, but that that's what I knew. Like, there's there's no bells and whistles. I mean, this guy's the best in the business at what he does. I mean, he's got countless all pros and pro bowlers and in in the nfl and i was like i think i think it'd be a smart decision for for me to be uh for me to come and play for this guy but yeah he's i mean like i said he's just he'll be straightforward with you but i mean he's also just like a almost like a grumpy uncle but (laughs) in a good way Uh, well i want to ask you about that uh sullivan because look let's be real if a quarterback walks into the room and and a coach is doing that if a receiver a running back a corner a safety that's not going to be a good recruiting tactic Uh -uh. what is it about (laughs) offensive linemen that you're like dude this guy's kind of ripping my game apart why did that matter to you right like what was the importance of that like I said, like when I was going on all these visits, I tried my best to kind of look through all the all the bells and whistles and the and the red carpets and the photo shoots. I was like, what is really going to help me when I'm here? And that's that's what Coach Eastan did a great job of uh, when I was on these visits. Because I mean, he let me sit in on meetings, go to team breakfast. I mean, when I was up there, we watched like the the AFC Championship game. And I mean, just really give me the day in the life of what it's like to be coached by him. And I mean, offensive linemen, of course, like they don't get credit. They don't. So I guess we're, it's just kind of us being used to, I guess, the the grittiness and the the, the tough life in the trenches that uh, like I don't need a, a coach to, to blow hot air at me. You know, like mm-hmm. just tell me how it is. Tell me how I can get better, how I can help the program so that's that's really what coach he does is he'll no whether you like it or not he'll he'll tell you what's going down 
<laughs> Last thing, Sullivan, we'll let you yep. go. Here, here's the thing for me. Like one of the challenges for me as an evaluator of your film is I never saw you pass block. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like how, how do you, like, what is the kind of the plan that you guys have had? I mean, I know you have, right. I'm, yeah, I'm being yeah. somewhat hyperbolic, but not a lot uh, uh-huh. coming from sort of an option offense. Uh, obviously that's going to be the biggest transition for you. I would yeah. assume like what, what has the conversations been like for you guys as far as like, what is the plan to get that? I mean, it's, it's, it's muscle memory, man. Like you, yeah. you know yeah. how to come off and fire off uh-huh. and hit somebody. Right. But yeah. it's that, it's that it's a passive movement. Pass blocking is somewhat yeah. of a passive or aggressive thing. What's the plan for that? And, you know, I, I mean, I will say like at camps and, and uh, I've got a, I've got a trainer on the side who I work with, you know, three, four, five times a month sometimes just going to – he's uh, just working on pass setting and different stances and steps and all that. But uh, this past week, me and Sam played in the Shrine Bowl. And uh, we – because, of course, we aren't going to run a triple option in an, op- in an all-star <laughs> game. So, I mean, uh, I, I, I handled it pretty well. I mean, I blocked uh, – was up against a South Carolina commit and a Georgia Tech commit the whole game and, and handled it pretty well. I mean, I don't think – I didn't allow a sack. I mean, we threw the ball quite a lot more than we did during the high school season for me. But, uh, yeah, I, the biggest thing is just sometimes I just get – get a little too far forward a little too aggressive with the with the punch but i mean i know that's something i've got to work on i'm not really worried about it right now i'll get it down especially once i get under coach he stand i mean it should be i mean it's just football at the end of the day just got to learn how to block block again i guess you could say but not too worried about it Sullivan, thank you so much for having us on or for being on with us for joining us not us having us on we appreciate you joining (laughs) us and uh we will we will talk to you again here very very soon. Yes, sir. Appreciate so, it, guys. Take care. See you. Take care. See you, Sullivan. Mark Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.